And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good. The bad. And the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. And Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well as well. I'm pretty excited. Uh, excited for a few reasons. Um, first off, we have a guest today, um, making his first, second appearance on the podcast, but first appearance on the main feed. Mm-hmm. Um, so please welcome Jordan Perry. Jordan, how are oh, you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Uh, if uh, you were, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go. This is your I, show. I was just going to tell, no, I was just going to tell people if they're a Patreon <laughs> subscriber, they will have recognized your voice. So, um, I'm sorry for ins- that. No, I was going to say all the more incentive <laughs> to be a Patreon subscriber. So how are you doing today, man? Uh, good. Uh, uh, speaking of my voice, I, if I do sound a little weird, I, I do have a cold. I have tested it as not COVID. So, okay. Good oh, good. Um, just your standard, very upsetting seasonal, uh, cold things. Oh, so yeah. if I hack up, if I hack up, we'll try to edit it out. I apologize. Dude, I, no, I, we'll I, just, we'll, we'll boost that audio. Yeah. yeah just go time. like really hear it in my throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. really, really good in there. Uh, but my condolences, I get it. You know, as you both know, I have two children, one who goes to preschool, so they bring home the plague every other day. <laughs> of the week. So, um, so I get it. So. My, my nephew just started something. I don't know what it is. My, my brother and his wife are, I love them to death, but they're very hippie. They started something called forest school, um, which I assume is like a preschool esque thing. For he's nips? about, yes, he's an elf now. Okay. Um, oh, cool. No, <laughs> He's, uh, I think he just, well, he's, he's three and a half now. So it's, I think it's like a pre preschool. It's just like getting kids together and they like learn about the woods and things. Sure. I guess this is off the cuff. I don't know. I didn't look up. <laughs> he was in a raincoat and walking around the forest. So they called it forest school. So, I mean, that's still pretty cool. I won't, won't lie. Um, I'll, I would go to forest school now as, <laughs> as someone who's 33. So I'm, I, I'm fine with that's, that. <laughs> that's just what I do when I go camping anyway. <laughs> that's true you go to forest school that's true um well i, I was gonna say are we going to forest school i don't think any of these movies take place in the forest uh uh regrettably um but uh as we tease at the end of last week's episode this was gonna be a patreon but um mm-hmm. but because looking at our listenership well for, first off we love you anybody listening to us and second of all these sort of catch-up episodes do really well on the main feed so we're like hey you you told us we listened, so yeah. it's coming to you on the main feed. Um, but we're going to catch up on a bunch of movies that we've seen. Um, it is award season, so there is just a dearth of new movies coming out, and it's like, it's hard to keep up. It just really is hard to keep up. But uh, as we teased at the end of last episode, the primary focus will be, 
I guess two movies that all three of us have seen where we'll be talking about The Killer, the latest from David Fincher, and we're going to be talking about Saltburn, the latest from uh, Emerald Fennel, the writer-director of Promising Young Woman. Um, and then we'll also split off and talk about The Holdovers, the latest from Alexander Payne. We'll also have a little bit of time to talk about Dream Scenario with Nicolas Cage, as well as Silent Night, the latest film from John Woo. Um, but I guess we got a lot to get through, so why don't we just kick it off and go with David Fincher's The Killer. Um I guess first off to get it out of the way, it's probably safe to say all of us are pretty big David Fincher fans on this yeah, <laughs> round yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, definitely a very formative filmmaker. We did an episode on seven knockoffs and Chris and I got to talk about what a formative film seven was for, for us. And I'm sure it's the same for still you, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, still yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's arguably, uh, I was gonna say arguably his best movie, but like maybe Zodiac. I, it's hard to say, like it's, he's done so many great movies. I might even go Zodiac. It's just such a flawless, my precise favorite, but, movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, not to sidetrack, but like a, just an anecdote that I just saw recently is like Mike Flanagan was asked about um, House of Usher, which we don't need to get into or anything. But they were like, oh, were you doing like a Seven Deadly Sin? There's like this whole like theory online that he was doing mm-hmm. like Seven Deadly Sins with each episode and each person. And he was like, no, he's like, I can, I guess you can see how that happened. But he's like, but look, no one has ever ever done it better than fincher's seven so he's like why would <laughs> i try and, and even go for that <laughs> absolutely no for sure it's 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 everyone would know immediately i mean again to point people back to our episode of seven knockoff we did a movie called resurrection with christopher lambert in the morgan freeman role and it rocks <laughs> but it's like but it's so blatant and it's sort of attempt to be seven that it's like anyone was gonna assume you're doing it you know yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why even try um but the killers i mean seven's probably a good place to start because uh this is the screenwriter of mm. uh seven as well andrew kevin walker Oh, I did uh, not know that actually. Yeah, this first I think the first time they've done something together since since seven. Yeah. Um, but uh, and it's a second movie for Netflix. I know he did Mindhunter, uh, the series, but he previously did Mank, which um, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of. I don't want to put words in either of you guys' mouth. But Ooh, do you um, want to hear my Mank story? Yes, oh, I would love yes. to hear your Mank story. It was me, my roommates, Matt and Dakota, when we lived at our old apartment, and uh, we were like, "Oh, like you know, it's Fincher. We've heard about it. Let's go." And I think we all three of us were like a little bit drunk or high, and we got like. 15 minutes into it and like collectively without voicing it all of us were like "Ooh, i don't want to watch this (laughs) Um, and then finally i think it was matt was like he's like hey um like this sucks right and we were like yes let's not watch this movie and that is the only amount i saw of mank oh man i watched the whole thing but uh, and i think chris did as well uh Right, you watched you watched Mank, right? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you a single damn thing about it, but I did watch it. <laughs> I just remember one of my favorite critics, uh, Jason Bailey, who wrote the the book Fun City Cinema, wrote like uh, like he led with his review. I think it was for the playlist that said something to the effect of like, you know, of all the filmmakers who go to Netflix and pretty much make a blank check movie, and you know, sometimes you know, really shows like how much they benefit from some sort of interference because some people will go make a blank check movie at Netflix and it is just, it doesn't work out. Um, and he's like on that list of people who it does not work out. I would not have guessed David Fincher would be that I person mean, just frankly. given how precise 
he is with everything and how controlled he is but yeah mink i mean that one was clearly a passion project of his like his dad had written the screenplay of it and like you know i think i think he indulged a lot in it um but i think it's safe to say the killer um which for anyone who doesn't know it stars michael fassbender as the titular killer Mm -hmm. um he he essentially the the streamlined plot of it is he fucks up a job and has to clean up the mess um yes that's basically the gist of it but i i think there's a lot to get into with this movie but i think it's safe to say the killer returns fincher to that sort of precise controlled level of filmmaking that we kind of Mm -hmm. expect from him but maybe we should just ask first impressions and jordan you are our guest so i'll ask you first what did you think of the killer um it's it I do, I do have a bit of a like it's a wishwashy answer so i feel bad about it but like it, it so to me with fincher doing these kind of like genre projects like that we know him for like at least on the surface genre projects like you look at seven that's like very much like horror thriller cop procedural you look at um fight club and that's even still just like look at this kind of like terror group based thing it's psychological he does these he does all of these movies these like quote-unquote genre films but then he like dives in and is really like meticulous and there's these things that are surprising about it i'll say with the killer is like it's clearly a genre piece i mean how many times is like hitman messed up on a job has to clean it up like, so in my head, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, okay, like, genre piece, gonna be picked apart in a David Fincher way. I will say by the end of it, it did feel just like a genre piece. Like, look, it's Fincher, and it's phenomenal, and, like, him doing a movie like this is always going to be amazing, but I didn't, I didn't personally see the, like, the the Fincher twisting out certain points to make it a little, a little broader. Mm. totally Mm -hmm. no i could totally see that i i have a point that's kind of tailing off of that but i do want to pass it over to chris and and Mm -hmm. ask you what you thought before we we dive into that i mean i i'm pretty much right there with you jordan i was feeling the same thing in that when when the movie started i threw it on to fold laundry and the first 30 minutes of the movie i didn't fold a single piece of clothing because I was immediately engaged and was just like, Oh, this is recognizable Fincher to me. Yes. Leaned forward. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm digging the internal monologue. I'm digging how meticulous everything is framed and shot and the the movement or non-movement in some cases of the camera. This feels very, um, very uh, granular. Uh, It's sort of like uh, John wick by way of mind Hunter. So I was like, cool. I'm into this. This is my tempo. Then the movie sort of has five or six different set pieces that are that, that are strung together with the, the, you know, Fassbender character doing an internal monologue, doing Mm -hmm. a short uh, sort of uh, reconnaissance of the area and the person. And then we get the next scene of him doing meticulous killer things. And the movie sort of plays out like that. And each of the scenes are gratifying, but with each successive one, I was like, I was waiting for you to take it another step further. Or <laughs> yeah, I was waiting yeah. for you to expand on the idea. Yeah. Um, it's an idea that I like and I had enjoyed the movie, but uh, it, it didn't so much trail off as it just kind of leveled out very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, and I just stopped being surprised after a while. 
Yeah, I think for for I, I hear both of you, and I, I think I agree to a certain extent just because I think the actual, like, text of the movie doesn't go... I feel similarly, like, the set pieces are really well constructed and really interesting in and of themselves, but it's like, it is a little repetitive and it is a little, like, I feel like it never takes the next level. I feel like the subtext of this movie, though, is endlessly fascinating, and that sort of, like, kept me through it because it's, like mediocre white dude who's shitty at his job who continuously climbs the corporate ladder um which like because that's basically the movie and i, I, we've seen I that mean great i did not think of it that way but that is very funny well because i agree <clears throat> with that first 30 minutes right it's so meticulous and you have yep. michael fassbender narrating um you know we've seen that from fincher before with edward norton and fight club you mm-hmm. know narrating everything going on and it's like he's like ultimately for one he's sort of the most milquetoast dude he's like oh you know i love music and it's but he just listens to the smiths doesn't <laughs> listen to anything over else over <laughs> this over this sound also how much did the smiths make off of this uh, or whoever has it. the smiths like i think this had like a 200 million dollar budget or something insane like that like most had to all go to the Smiths would be my <laughs> yeah it was a hundred it was a hundred and eighty million to the Smiths and then, and then 20 it was a million. twenty million dollar movie <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know Chris wow. is looking puzzled but yeah it, it's, it was an expensive movie which <laughs> is this mostly shot inside so yeah, like no, where did all that budget wild. go I have no idea I, I'll have to double check this to make sure I'm not talking out my ass but I, I swear <laughs> to God it was like a super expensive <laughs> yeah, movie yeah. Um, I mean I know that Fincher is still doing his regular ten million directors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's why he didn't end up directing the Steve Jobs movie because they didn't think that the return was going to be worth paying him to do it. Um, which I mean, Danny Boyle did a good job with it anyway. But yeah, neither here nor there. But like, he's narrating, and it, it reminds me of Fight Club also in the way that I feel like people are going to misinterpret this movie and think this guy is cool the way that they yes. decided to think Tyler Durden is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whereas like this guy's like I when he botches the shot. I, let me tell you, I laughed out loud <laughs> so loud because it's like, he's just so cool and so like mm-hmm. precise in that Fincher way. And then, and then just, and then poof, just fucks up the entire like, ah. thing. And so, and it's like he, and he, again, he's, he keeps talking about how like, he's almost like Fincher where he's precise in all yeah. this. So it's like, he's kind of making fun of himself a little mm-hmm. bit, which like, I think was amusing. Yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then he goes through these set pieces and he's like, he, yeah, he's able to do the thing, but he's also not that great at it. He's not really good at covering his tracks. It's yeah. kind of messy every single time that he well, executes something like that, uh, that like very great fight sequence where there's a house with the dog in it. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like a brilliant fight like all the way through but i was like i was like you're a professional how is this dude fucking you up this much like he (laughs) wins in the end sure but like oh yeah oh mess of a fight oh it's super messy like he's he's not that great and even like after the initial like mess up like you know he doesn't dispose of his stuff super well super (laughs) interesting um the other interesting subtext i really liked about the movie because we see this a lot especially just i'm gonna i'm gonna be I'm going to say we see this in a lot of other facets of like world events. I don't want to get like too topical, um, but we often see like corporations who are like donating money to a cause that's quite bad. Let's say like big corporations mm. yeah. and Fincher has always had product placement. He's kind of like Michael Bay in that way. I mean, they both were brought up in the music video and the commercial 
uh, you know, it's not uncommon. Like I remember Elizabeth Slander in uh, uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo was always eating a Happy Meal. Like that's like <laughs> something I always remember. Which like McDonald's is prominent in this movie as well. But so is Enterprise Rent a Car, and so is Amazon. Like goes to an Amazon <laughs> locker to buy things that he's committing crimes with. Yeah, and so yeah, it's like yeah. fascinating that also drawing correlation that these corporations are whether explicitly or implicitly yeah. are part of a crime. Um, yeah. So like, there's a lot going on under the surface. Needless to say, I spoke too long, but I do think that I agree that I, I just wish in the story portion, it went to other more surprising places. So like the subtext I thought was super fascinating and I enjoyed the movie overall. Um, I think it's really, really funny at times as well. I just think mm-hmm. that uh, by the end of it, it's like, ah, uh, you know, I still needed the text to be as good as the subtext here. And it just yeah. wasn't quite there. And I mean, honestly, you bring all this stuff up, like, well, I probably will go back and watch again to, like, look at these, like, really, like, all of this, like, uh, like inner portions, because I just didn't get it mm-hmm. on the first watch. I've only seen it the one time. But yeah. Sure. <clears throat> and that's the thing is, like, I still, like, even with my critique of it, I still enjoyed the movie. Like, yes. again, Fincher doing even a standard version of Hitman Gone Wrong is going to be an awesome awesome film yeah mm-hmm. uh, um pretty much his filmography even his ones that don't hit for me it's like there's still something to appreciate like alien 100%. 3 is this big gothic yes like horror movie it doesn't all hit but like it looks phenomenal but it works right panic room is really sleekly directed it's kind of also kind of empty in that in that sort of way but it's like really well really well yeah. directed and stylish it was like yeah. one of the first movies to implement the like the digital camera you know through, yeah you yeah know, like going through all the things exactly well and it's funny yeah. until chris said it like i i hadn't really thought about it but honestly yeah that first 30 minutes is the thing i remember the absolute most of yeah and it's because like i was like oh is this like gonna do this thing where they they trailered this film in a wildly different way than what we're actually gonna watch yeah and then it like kind of went in and i was like okay like but like again every set piece is well directed well acted like the action is great like again all these things are great but like that first 30 minutes where i was like oh this is i was like in my head i was like oh it's not gonna be what it said it was gonna be Mm -hmm. and then it kind of was what it said it was gonna be yeah Yeah, it sets up something slow something introspective um Mm -hmm. especially i mean just like the opening shot of him sitting in the chair, <clears throat> looking out the window on Paris in the early, early dawn hours, and his line where he's just like, it's uh, it's amazing just how exhausted you can be from doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. And, and it was just like, oh, okay, this is going to be a more thoughtful film than what I had originally <clears throat> thought. Yeah. But then, Ryan, kind of like you sort of uh, alluded to, is that our killer is a bit of a wiener he's a he's a bit of a um he thinks he's a lot cooler than he actually is Mm -hmm. and he talks in a way of like a uh online message board type guy yes who he'll bring up um edgy topics he mentions serial killers a lot which is something i find really strange for somebody who is a professional killer to be like Oh, you know, it just reminds me of Ted Bundy. And it's just like, it shouldn't. It shouldn't remind you of Ted Bundy, actually, at all. Um, nothing to do with anything that you're doing right now. Um, but I, I wonder how much of that is, because this is based on a graphic novel. Uh, yes. the, there's three credited writers here, but two of the credited writers are the writer and illustrator of the graphic novel mm-hmm. um, that was then uh, adapted into the screenplay. So having not read it, I don't know if this is how the character 
is in the graphic novel as well. But I do know that Fincher himself, uh, I caution to say loves serial killers, but he <laughs> clearly has like an interest and a fascination to a degree. Well, I mean, one, of his, of, one of his best projects was entirely based around serial yes, killers. Yes, entirely so. based around serial killers, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, like it, it's something that interests him and he peppers jokes throughout, like not just straight up references to serial killers, but there's like a few jokes. One of them, um, I think he, he's like riding in an elevator at one point and he has like a really heavy bag uh, with him and the guy in the elevator like points to him. He's like, you need help getting rid of a body. Yeah. Um, and it's like an offhanded joke. And th- that was something that happened to Jeffrey Dahmer when he actually had a body in a uh, bag and he was leaving a hotel and somebody uh, in the elevator was just like, oh, what do you got in here? A body? And he's like, uh, yeah, like like offhanded made a, jo- made a joke about it. So I was like, that's a very David Fincher thing to bring that into the script. And so I don't know how much of it is David Fincher being self-referential or yeah, being self-deprecating right. and how much of it is the material that got adapted. But it's weird that those lines kind of blur. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you could also notice like the, the inherent nihilism in the character as well, which is also again fight club, yeah. like in that way, I mean, just yeah. like, which also, which goes to his sort of being a wiener as Chris sort of like put out, like, you know, like there's, there's certain lines that draw on like contemporary things of like, he like scoffs at somebody like walking by. He's like, enjoy the wordle. Uh, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, but, but like, you know, the dude will like, like eats McDonald's like it without any sort of blinking an eye about it. So it's just like, you're quote unquote basic just as much as like the next person. But you think yeah. that you're not because of whatever sort of like sense yeah. of high horse built in your head. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. For sure. And again, I feel like a lot of that comes to like, cause I remember the point where I realized I was like, Oh, this kind of isn't going to be as much like a, a, a speaking point on these types of movies as just being this type of movie is when he gets back and his like girlfriend was like almost like beat to death. Yeah. Like, and then like, we're just like doing the like fridge to girlfriend, like, reason for revenge and then mm. i was like do you i don't think you like this person like because there was a great moment where her brother was there and i mm-hmm. thought i thought they were gonna do this thing where he was like fuck you like as a person but mm-hmm. he's still even kind of his the brother ended up kind of being like yeah like she really loves you and like let's let's figure <laughs> it out you know? yeah. like what's the deal and i was like oh so it's just kind of that a little bit yeah 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 that's i mean that's like and I was yeah. confused by their relationship because yeah, he seems to care about her, but then even like the, the 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 dialogue that he has with the brother in that scene makes the the relationship seem entirely transactional. Hundred just like she's she's basically a beard, like to make yeah. you appear as though like you're a normal everyday person, but she's just like a a decoy that lives in your house. But yeah. then they they definitely share something but that's never fleshed out and so it's one of those things where we don't know if he is uh like a dexter and he's just like completely empty on the inside and and if this is a facade that he's built up even though we're in his head for the majority of the movie he never explains to the audience like it's really weird we don't know if he's playing a character for himself i guess because like even like i mean they they hit this moment where like there's not enough subtext to say like oh he was going off on the rest of this mission to like take everyone down like for his own personal things like they really hit it on the head that he did it because of her right and i was like i don't really think we set up the relationship for that to really work no 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 (laughs) 
I mean, I guess the only thing really, and I don't think it excuses it, but the only thing you could really draw is like, you know, you said their relationship seems transactional, which is sort of a through line in the whole movie that all these relationships and all these sort of like connections he has is completely transactional. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just another cog in his like world, but something uh, that has to work. Exactly. Sure. You know, cog in the machine. But even then, it's still like never really clear and it's not really like you could dig in but it's not that satisfying on like the the level that it needs to be well yeah because in my head would it would be a very interesting thing if we got enough crumbs to actually say what you're saying where it was like oh he doesn't really but he like he has to go on this revenge plot because like it would be a much more interesting piece if it was like no 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 like he actually doesn't give a fuck but like this is what you're supposed to do yeah. to make mm-hmm. sure these pieces still like exist and work yeah and right. I, I think like sure we can we can assume but i don't think they did the legwork enough to to actually say that yeah i was saying like keep that. the incitement like, sort of ambiguous whereas because mm-hmm. it's pretty clear from the very beginning that he goes on a revenge tour and that's why he leaves yeah. but like what if what if she didn't wake up while he was at the hospital yeah. and he's following the lead to see and make sure she didn't say anything. But yeah, then yeah. the mission eventually takes a turn and he is overcome with a vengeance instead yeah. of it being like more of an inform- informational search. Like yeah. it's pretty, you're right that it's pretty much on the nose that he's doing it, but then the, that's not the relationship that you set up. Yeah. And it's also not the yeah. relationship that pays off at the end of the movie. No. So I guess his, his motivations are just really, really strange for yeah. us to get, like at the beginning of John Wick, if we it was it was pretty clear that John Wick didn't give a shit about that puppy, and then we see him go off and do all that stuff, we'd be like, well, then why? Like, what's the fucking point? Why have we watched four movies? Four. Like, yeah, he didn't give a shit he about keeps that. Keeps grabbing dog. dogs. <laughs> Stop adopting Stop dogs, John. Getting dogs, you don't like them. You're a cat person. <laughs> that should be every movie starts with another dog dying. If if they have to, which I know Lionsgate wants it, I don't want it because I think Chapter Four is a masterpiece and closes. It's, it is. It's phenomenal. And yeah. it closes. I think closes the book like yeah. so perfectly. <laughs> don't do another one. Don't do another one. <laughs> I, like I said, Lionsgate wants it. Keanu and Chad's the Hellscare. Like eh, only if we can crack the story, we would. Only do it. if there's a shitload more money <laughs> directly to me. I thought you were gonna say a shitload more dead dogs. <laughs> so many dead dogs. It starts. And then that just starts, revives like, him from starts, the grave. <laughs> it starts like the fucking scene in uh, uh, Midnight Mass on the beach <laughs> with the dead cats, but it's just dogs. I was gonna say pet cemetery, <laughs> but that's even even better. <laughs> and then we just see like the zoom in on the gravestone and the hand busts up. From the from the ground, oh, not man. on my watch. I was just going to say, if there is a John with Chapter Five, it should be reckoning with him being a cat person, and it was a lie this entire, this entire time. time. He really has to bring himself to it. Oh, um, but anyway, well, he has nine lives. Then <laughs> there we go. We have the backstory. Oh, there we go. Hire someone, me, please. Some, Hi, yeah, someone, someone, please. I haven't had a job in a year. Please. <laughs> please let's, let's open up Final Draft now and get, let's get this going. Um, but I think since we're trailing off, it, it's probably a good point here to, to pivot to the next movie. But um, I think it's safe to say we'd all recommend The Killer, despite yeah. the misgivings 100%. of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's still th- a very fun, very good film. Yeah, it's mm. entirely enjoyable. I'd say my my only disappointment has nothing to do with the movie itself, but after um, it's award season, as we sort of set out, and so critic groups are getting the screeners, and I'm 
still inexplicably part of Seattle Film Critics Society, uh, Netflix sends these giant ass boxes of stuff, like where there's like swag and the screener and Was stuff. there a killer in it? So, no. <laughs> it was a dead but, dog. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I was hoping they would send one for the killer and send that whiskey flight that Tilda Swinton had at the end of it. I was like, that would have been cool. When when the movie ended, I was like, if they don't send that in the screener box, like I'm gonna be upset. Um, And no, they didn't. They didn't even send a screener for it. They sent the soundtrack and like a print. Which the print's cool. I showed Chris when oh, he yeah, was Oh yeah, the print is really yeah. cool. Yeah, but uh, oh, we so anyway, mention... fuck that movie now. So so yeah, because they didn't give me I guess that was the last thing we should mention. The score is done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, oh, as yeah. it has been for the last four David Fincher movies. Uh, and and again, no notes on those things. It's yeah, always the, fucking incredible. Score's great. Score's fantastic. <laughs> um, so yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think let's move on to uh, a more a more polarizing movie. And I, I think yes. not just amongst us, but just in general. Which I think so. Which honestly is exciting. I, I, I give me give me a movie like that's polarizing and interesting to talk about any any day of the week over just like it's fine. Um, but yeah, I think let's let's dive in. Let's dive into Saltburn. Um, as I mentioned, this is the latest film from Emerald Fennel, who won uh, best original screenplay for the Oscars uh, for 2020 for Promising Young Woman. Um, she also uh, made an appearance this summer as Midge, the pregnant Barbie in uh, Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Um, I Margar- just found that out recently. Did you really? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I didn't know that was it. Margot Robbie, also a producer on this and Promising Young mm-hmm. Woman. Uh, so they're, they're you know really good friends, um, seems like. Uh, but I guess maybe before we kick off, I, I gave it to Jordan at the beginning of the last one. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll switch it over. I'll hand it to Chris. I'll ask you two questions, Chris. What did you think of Saltburn, and did you see Promising Young Woman prior to this? I can't remember. Um, I did not see Promising Young Woman. I will have to go back and watch it after watching Saltburn. Um, because I enjoyed Saltburn, but it's hard for me to it's hard for me to summarize it without just getting into everything that I liked about it versus didn't like about because it's very it's very, very murky on a lot of different fronts. And so it's hard to just like, oh, yeah, I mean, I really appreciated the performances. I really appreciated the cinematography. Uh, the the score, I think, was really good. And sound design overall was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the character motivations are a little bit um, stunted, I guess, uh, is a word that I would use. I, like yeah. they, or, yeah. or abrupt, I guess, is kind of... There, there's some things that happen in the movie where, like, wow, this feels a little out of left field, but I, <laughs> I, I was kind of reeling a lot of the time throughout the movie. And then I... I don't want to get into spoilers yet. I want everybody else to, to get into what they enjoyed or didn't enjoy about the movie, but I will say that by the time the movie wrapped up, it's not an ending that I you know was surprised by and that was a disappointed because the disappointment because the rest of the movie felt like it was trying to kind of keep me on my heels and then when it landed flat-footed i was like mm, i thought we were going to come in for a crash and burn yeah, that's kind of yeah. what i wanted yeah i think we're gonna i think we're once i think we're spoilers, all gonna very much agree here <laughs> yeah, i think that's what we're gonna fight yeah we're gonna find common ground on that one and i think it's safe to say once we all give our initial thoughts i think we probably should dive right into spoilers because i think that's oh sure really the way to discuss it's the only the way movie. to talk about it so, yeah, because um, it is such a like 
even the moments in this film are very like spoilery because like you yeah. shouldn't know you shouldn't know whatever we're gonna end up talking about like oh, at right. any point throughout the film i'll credit too before uh we get into that point the trailer did a really good job of not describing exactly what you were going to see like yeah. i was actually pretty impressed by that um yeah but uh i'll ask you jordan what did, what were your thoughts on on Saltburn? okay it's so i mean <laughs> again we're all i i feel like we're all ending up in a very similar fashion here i'm trying to think of the best way to do like a brief idea of this um Whereas I think it's what I told you, Ryan, where it's like the first two acts of this film sold me on brilliance, even though I don't think it necessarily earned it. But I was so enthralled Mm -hmm. like with with what they were doing for the first two acts of this film where I was like, because what I'll get to is then I looked back and I was like, oh, but like the first two acts, I was like, it, 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 it mesmerized me in a way where i'm like oh i'm like i'm lost in this world i'm fucking fascinated all of this stuff is pulling me in and then it's third act like where they go end up ending this movie i was like i don't think you earned where we went and it's is you, Chris. You said it's because it's not. It's it's not. A, and for me, it's not even necessarily that it wasn't surprising. It's just in my head, I was like, "Oh, you had built such a weirder movie, yeah, and yeah. to end in such a weirder way, yes. and still like kind of accomplish the thing you wanted to accomplish, but in such a more like psychosexual like mm. downfall of a family." Um, that when it hit, it immediately like pulled me out of that mesmerization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, I'm like looking back and like actually thinking about it, where I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. So like, I it, it is a very hard movie because as as Chris, you touched on like it's hard to say one thing or other. Like again, the cinematography, fucking beautiful, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. The performances are the things that make this whole thing hold together. Every single person they casted down to specifically Barry Kogan in a, in a role that was different than what I expected from the trailer, like in a role where I was like, Oh, that shouldn't have been that person, but it was done so well. Yeah. Everyone held those things together. And so like, I both very much adore where they were going and the swings they took I think it just made it that much more upsetting when it landed. It just personally landed in a way. I felt like they had such a bigger thing to do. Yeah, totally. I think that's like, you know, to, to go back to what you were sort of alluding to Jordan, I think that's where we're going to find common ground on, on this is, is the ending of this movie. Yeah. And I'm, um, I'm about to throw about a bunch of comparisons. So forgive me for about to doing so. Let's but, go. um, I echo a lot of what you guys said of like, I think the performances in the movie are great. The cinematography, Linus Sandgren, who shot the most recent Bond movie, No Time to Die, which Babylon. was Babylon. Yeah, shot Babylon, both yeah. exquisitely looking movies like mm-hmm. No Time to Die, like that, that like opening where they're like going down the building and the camera, yeah. like I was to this fucking guy. Yeah. Like I had never heard his name until that Bond movie. And then had seen him now I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, I'd seen him shoot a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, this guy's legit. And mm-hmm. Emerald Fennel too. I think, I think she's a better director than she is screenwriter. To be honest, thank uh, you. She she is a 
she's got a super great eye. And I felt the same with Promising Young Woman as well. Same. I was like, and Promising Young Woman, I'm not going to spoil it because I think Chris should watch it. But I'm going to say, same. Yeah. I had an issue. <clears throat> Saltburn, <laughs> Promising Young Woman, I had a similar issue in that, like, the ending, I think, was not unfounded and did zag when you think it was going to zig. I don't know if the ending of that movie worked satisfactory for me no, necessarily, no. but I but I did at least I at least felt it plausible. It didn't that ending didn't torpedo the whole movie. It left a sour taste, but it didn't torpedo the movie. And this one, I feel like for me personally, torpedoed the entire experience of the movie. Like because I agree, I, I felt you. I felt with the the performances and the look and the direction. I was like, I was with it. I was like. Where is this going? I I felt similarly with a another movie that Barry is Kogan. I I I would Mm -hmm. say Keogh. Or I I might have not pronounced that correctly. I'm pretty sure it's Kogan. Is it Kogan? Okay, then you did. And I've been saying it wrong. I'm the asshole. Uh, (laughs) Barry, I I was reminded of another movie that Barry Kogan is that's also very meticulous and uh, uh, in its craft is the killing of a sacred deer. Um, It reminded me a lot of that movie, and that movie never lets off the pedal. And it gets consistently weirder and darker and stranger mm-hmm. and does not end where you think it's going to. And it's incredibly satisfying, in my opinion. I would have to rewatch it because I really didn't like that movie. I don't think Chris <laughs> liked it either, actually. I didn't like it either. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to minority. Love, I love... I cannot pronounce his name. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes, Lanthimos. I love yeah. him. But like, Dog Tooth is ooh, great. God, Dog that movie great. did yeah. not hit where I wanted it the to. Oh, the anyway, lobster. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so I'm in the minority, but I loved Killing of a Sacred Deer personally. <laughs> but it's like, I've also watched a bunch of movies recently. Like, I, I feel like this is a trend of like, I've watched these movies that are like really well crafted and like draw out what they're doing for two thirds of it. And then they come to like a heel turn and the movie sort of lives or dies by that. Like, I've seen at least three movies in the last two weeks that have done this. Saltburn. I watched Eileen with Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway, which I'm not going to say a word Don't about. Because I really want to see it. Other than that one was satisfying, in my opinion. Okay, good. I love so that it. one was okay. satisfying. I watched another one called The Royal Hotel. Uh, that's mm-hmm. Kitty Green's follow-up to The Assistant from a few years ago. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, it's got uh, the same actress from The Assistant. It also has uh, Jessica Henwick from The Matrix uh, Resurrections in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a play on Wake and Fright, the Australian uh, movie from the late with 70s. With Donald Pleasance? With Donald Pleasance, yes. Mm-hmm. So for two-thirds of it, the Wake and Fright stuff, I was like, this is I'm, I'm with it. This is drawing out the tension. I love it. Uh, and then it sort of ends. It doesn't. That one doesn't torpedo the movie, but it's sort of just it lets the air out <laughs> whimper yeah and saltburn's the same way of like it was teasing something so much more interesting and it just doesn't land and i was gonna say the other difference between saltburn versus eileen and the royal hotel differing opinion those movies run about 90 ish minutes a piece this movie's 130 <laughs> minutes long yeah <laughs> there's a good 100 minute movie in here i think but it is far too long for where it ultimately goes well, and, and, and it's funny because you you texted me that after after you watched it was that like there's a great there's a good hundred minute hundred minute movie in this hundred thirty minute movie and I was like yeah I don't think I could describe it a better way than that because like <laughs> it because I mean there was even a point where it could have ended and I'm like this is like even just drop us out like don't yep. have a conclusion oh, sure. fucking let it ride 
and are, I would have been like, oh, about a wild. certain grave site? Like, that, that could have been the ending of the movie. It could have been. And look, here's the thing. If may, if if that was the end of the movie, I think I would have felt different about that scene. Because <laughs> when it happened, and I still had, like, 30 more minutes of movie, I was like, what the fuck are we doing here <laughs> now? Oh man! Um, I think that okay. might, might be the time oh. to get into spoilers. Uh, we're gonna say, have so to get can we like go, yeah. can we dive in now? Because yeah. like, look in the these show notes for the time code to jump to if you don't want to be spoiled. Uh, <laughs> well, before we jump into spoilers, uh, recommendations. Do, would you recommend this movie to the audience? Yes, one hundred percent. I would. Okay. I look, look. It, it, it. There are a lot of things that upset me, and granted, I guess by the time people are probably uh listening to this they won't maybe have a chance to watch it in theaters but you should watch it in theaters it is it is a fucking gorgeous film and yeah. and it's an original for, film so yes, yes. Support and it. and for my my problems with it I, I i even made like a post about it i was like look the problems aside like someone taking swings this big mm-hmm. is is there's it's valid like just mm-hmm. i mean i'm happy to see a movie, even if I'm upset by the end of it, like a movie this weird and large and gorgeous, get out. Yeah, and, and in if, your face, just just willing just to make you so uncomfortable. in your face. Yeah. Like yeah. the I watched it in a full theater, and when like I said, we'll get into the spoilers, but like certain moments, every single person in the theater is just like, yeah. like what are you <laughs> I doing? Uh, I should go watch it in the theater before it leaves because I watched it via an award screener. So it's a I, beautiful, it's a beautiful experience to watch with people as well. Like yeah. if you like now that it's later, it probably won't be, but like it was great watching it opening, like full packed house, the uncomfort in it. Totally. I think before we pivot, I would, I would also recommend it despite probably being the coldest on this movie, just because for yeah. everything you said, it's bold and I will take conversation over like, you know, a, it was just fine. So, like, yeah, and, and right. the conversation there. So yeah. I still would say, watch it. It's a bold movie. It doesn't really land for me, but no. I would still say, watch it. If you don't see it in the theater, I did just get the press release. I think it hits prime video, like December 22nd. So, nice. um, yeah, like I said, watch it if you can, but mm-hmm. if, if not, it's going to be readily available here in like two weeks. So, yeah. right. And I, like and I again for me like it really really didn't land but like my roommate Dakota like it like she was like all in like I think this movie will land like yeah oh sure for people like in the way that it didn't for me so like this is obviously just my opinion I'm sitting here and I'm discussing it but like I think for what they did I think people will watch it and like holy grab on like yeah. oh sure I think there will be be people that are like this is fucking this is amazing. Yeah. Well, that's why I was careful to say it, the the ending's not bad. The ending no, just course. didn't it's work just, for it just me. Did, exactly. yeah. It just went in a direction that I was like, ah, that's not as satisfying as it could have been. But it's not a no. bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. No, it just takes, it just, it's so weird. And then it goes so conventional and exactly. like so quickly, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and I, I've. Let's get into spoilers because I, I've, okay. I've deliberately held off on a comparison because I feel like it would dead giveaway. Yeah. Not necessarily, the, but like it would really tell you exactly where the movie's going. So and the spoilers about this movie are the best parts of this movie. So yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. And we'll work backwards here. So we're in spoilers officially starting right now. Um, okay. It didn't need to have like a parasite ending. Like that's I think that was my biggest thing is like I, I didn't. <clears throat> 
I know this is a poking fun of rich people movie to a certain ex- to a certain extent. Uh, but this not, is where but I not. will disagree. But yeah, yeah, I guess. But anyway, but, keep but, going. Well, it seems like that. It seems like yeah. that's where it's going. And then it's yeah. like, okay, but but Barry Kogan is the fucking weirdo. But which yeah. we should have seen coming yep. by the casting of him. Of <laughs> which but. which is the biggest biggest upset I had is I was so excited to see him be the like normal guy yeah, or not man. even no, not even normal yeah. guy but like not the like weird villain yeah and then he well, is the weird villain and then he's the, the weird villain <laughs> well that's the thing it's like I feel like the movie's trying to poke fun at like uber like that's that at least seems like it and then it's like but then you ultimately kind of empathize with them at the end because it's like they're yeah they're they're, they're the victims they're the victims they're of the victims. this thing and so it's like ugh, that's that's the that's the the part that doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> Don't make me try and empathize with the Uber Rich. That's not yeah. gonna work. <laughs> and like, look, I remember when I left. Like, that was the immediate, like, the immediate grossness yes. inside. Leaving that theater was like, okay, taking my own personal thoughts on the world and and thoughts on like the politics and just how things exist. I was like, oh, like I'm like I'm clearly led to say well man this guy fuck just look at like uh perpetrator and victim the victims in this were these like ultra rich people yeah and i was like i'm supposed to sit here and and they're asking me to do that whether or not like emerald fennel's like intention was to do that like by the end of the like story of this movie Mm -hmm. they're the victims who got like fucked up by this person yeah killed killed by this person (laughs) and and then i I, this is also tainted slightly by like a review i just read where it was like um about it was someone that went to school with like emerald fennel and like i i found out all this information that like she's from this like very wealthy like Mm. diamond maker and so i was like look here's the other thing is like i also think you could have made this film as you said, with zero intention on either side. Mm-hmm. But it's also incredibly hard to make this movie without some point. Because you have to look at, like, hyper, hyper rich and this other person showing up. And if just by doing that, I was like, you're making a connection here. And it really, by the end of this script, feels like, oh, look at the, like, middle class sucking off the like like siphoning the 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 things that we've created and made even if clearly that even if it was clearly not what they wanted to do like it's hard hard not to see that no absolutely and and like i said it's got like the a little bit of parasite but it's like but that movie to me is just the gold standard of like how you do this kind of movie because like it's that movie that like you know the title you could be like okay but who is the real parasite in this situation right because it's like there's an understanding on both the the you know the the poorer characters in the movie and there's an understanding on the richer characters in the movie yeah but neither of them are completely blameless in the situation especially when that movie takes turns uh when you know when we're revealed what's in the basement and so exactly um so, like, when this movie takes that turn, like, 
like you know jordan and i you you and i kind of talked a little bit like via just yeah. text about this after the, where it's like yeah. i think it was you who said there was a weirder movie this movie promised and it just yes. doesn't quite get there like scenes yeah. of him like you know him him just like licking the the bath Dude, water oh. after jake um, already jerks I mean, off just the bath an absolutely oh. brilliant fucking piece of cinema yeah like, Chris was like, no, can't do it. I was vomited. I, 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 I was having a rough the, time with that. Like, the fucking swing <laughs> to show that. Yes. Oh. oh. Oh, man. Oh, dude. Absolutely. It's like, I mean, it's disgusting. Don't get me wrong. I'm just right there with, with you, with Chris. With the slurps, too. Just, oh, just, it's uh, the slurps right into the drain, the tongue, oh. all of it. Blech, blech. Um, But it's just like, but it's so... <laughs> So like just just like imp- like th- those are the things that people are going to remember about this movie yeah, that are gonna stick out. That's what I remember. Burn yeah. into my fucking brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will never leave. And so it's like there's things like that where it's just like this is a little bit more like sort of you know I don't know if nuanced is the right word, but just more complex. It, mm-hmm. it seemed more complex in this sort of like hero worship, and even yeah. till the end, the movie the movie even says it because it says in voiceover dialogue both in the beginning and the end it book bookends this with barry kogan talking about jacob alordi's character about how like he he loved him and it's like and we see throughout that there's probably an actual case to be made that he did um but that even that just comes i don't know it just seems perfunctory at the end too when he's like you know he's like oh i really loved him but in many ways i hated him and it goes through like how he did all this stuff and i was like oh man like that just i hated that yeah yeah hey audience have you not caught on yet that the narrator's unreliable yeah i fucking know we we knew (laughs) we kind of knew that from the very beginning but it's like you didn't even need the drive home because we got it when he goes uh when he goes to surprise him for his birthday to go see his family and that that was that was that was the first it was uncomfortable but like that was the first sort of red flag for me where i was like well like obviously his parents are not going to be like drug addicts and his dad's going to be alive because he's been saying Mm -hmm. his dad died the whole time i was like i was like this is not going to go the way um and it had sorry i know you want to talk to no 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 no, sorry i was I was going to say the other frustrating thing about that is like any sane person like Jacob Lordy's character, even though he's an ultra rich like person would have been like, this guy's fucking crazy. Now that I know that he's been lying to me this entire time. So mm-hmm. no, we're not having a party for you and no, like not bringing you back to the house. house. I yeah. So the fact, the fact that he's like, well, we still have to have the party because like my, like this, my mom loves you. So therefore like, it would be weird if we didn't, but then your ass is, you know, to the curb. And it's just like, why? Why do that? Like, just, like, clearly something's off with this guy. Just leave him there. Like, it, it didn't make... That, that was where I was like, uh-oh. That was the moment where I was like, uh-oh. This movie yeah. is, is going to tip in some directions that I, I don't know if it's going to be able to to handle. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. if you because like done. I have Go a whole it. well I was I didn't know Chris you haven't talked I was oh, like I have a whole I saw thing you were you were doing like, like look, shoulders look, and hand motions look, and I was look, just like you're pent up you got because, something to say because <laughs> here's what's here's to me what's so fucked up about the film is like there is a final act of this that brings all of this shit home like even to that point where like he goes there sees his family is obviously like right at that turn like to me this is what i was telling you ryan i was like there's like a much weirder like psychosexual 
mm-hmm. ending of this movie that accomplishes the same thing. Whereas, like, look, because Barry Cogan, to me, and this is back to something I was saying earlier before the spoiler thing, is, like, Barry Cogan, to me, was, like, a very weird choice to be, like, the, like, sexual... Yeah. Like person but it worked so well in a way where i didn't expect it where i was like like dude the weird fucking drain licking the 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 like period fingering fingering, like there was like this very like weird but somehow i was like oh i kind of get it like he's a freak and like he's really like and to me like that ending not doing this like slasher film world but like he has like sexually embedded himself Mm. into all the points of this family where like they have fallen head over heels in love with him yeah Mm -hmm. where like he like uh 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 jesus the main guy the other main guy oh um, jacob alordi jacob alordi like doesn't want to and he knows he shouldn't but like there's just something Mm -hmm. something inside of him that needs to still be around and then he goes back and everyone has that feeling to him and they like destroy themselves because they have fallen for this like person that has shown up in their home and i was like there it just it would have taken a lot better writing back to the thing whereas i think emerald fennel is a phenomenal director and i think she's i think she's decent at writing if she had maybe another person there to like get some other things over the finish line whereas like there's a much there's a a better writer would have finished this in such a weirder way that would have really fucked up like people and that seems to be her common thing you know to like you know again we won't give the specifics away for for chris's sake but it's like yeah both her two movies have that where it's like two thirds of this movie is fantastic and like really interesting. And then the last leg of the movie happens and you're kind of just like, uh, she's, she's Stephen know. King's it. She's Stephen King's <laughs> it. Yeah. Or Shyamalan's <laughs> it. You know? Shyamalan's yeah. It. You know, like which, same, like Shyamalan's known for his twists, yeah. but it's like every time I watch Shyamalan movie, I was like, this dude's a fucking phenomenal director. Maybe he he's should have so someone good. else write his he's movies right? sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? He's a better director than he is writer. Dude, and same with, look, with Emerald. She's, she's look, got a Look vision. to the next couple of years, Emerald's gonna direct the script she didn't write and it will fucking... It'll, it'll be her it, best Shyamalan will Dude, it's gonna be the best. <laughs> Shyamalan will write it. Maybe. Shyamalan will write it. Oh my god, it. whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I... I feel like Shyamalan's at the point where he won't direct, or he won't write something that he doesn't direct also. He might direct someone I mean, else's script. But. In saying that, I, not to sidetrack a bunch, but Knock at the Cabin was fucking phenomenal. He, guess I, what? I he had co-screenwriters. He had co-screenwriters. There you go! <laughs> yep. I agree. Knock at the Cabin was really good. I really watched it. Yeah, it was fantastic. Anyway, sorry, but. Chris, we've been ranting. Any other things about this? I've actually, since you mentioned the thing about her having sort of a rich family with uh, investments in diamonds and whatnot, mm, I've been yeah. sitting over here kind of fucking stewing a little bit. It's honestly. a bummer. <laughs> and that's uh, also one article, so I don't, do not quote me on it. It was one article I read, so I, I Okay, well, claim. I heard from a good friend, Jordan Perry, who said that she grinds their bones to make her bread. Um, but, I mean, whether or not that's true, it does frame my uh, my digestion of the movie in a different way in that the movie 
really is like a, oh no, these poor rich folks who got taken advantage of by this middle class psychopath. Which, like, yeah, he's a middle class psychopath. Like, yeah, sure. sure. But, like... He they show through the explicit flashback that was completely unnecessary and took me out of the movie entirely. <laughs> but they show through the flashback that he takes advantage of uh, the goodwill of uh, the uh, the classmate uh, 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 Jacob Elordi, uh, uh, plays yeah. Felix, uh, who is like he feels bad for this kid who doesn't have any friends, and he like you know he. Hey man, he, he did ride my money. bike, yeah. but then he gives him some money, and then he kind of like injects his way into this guy's life and lies to him and stuff, and he just sort of encroaches on this family, and then once he's ingratiated himself, then he like puts forward the right impression, or he's a sociopath, mm-hmm. so then he plays off what they want to hear, and he even yeah. says it to Felix at one point, where he's just like, I was the person that you wanted me to be. Yeah. I don't I did what everybody else in your circle does. I played what you wanted me to be in that moment. I was the person that you wanted me to be, so then why are you pushing me away? And it it like frames it as like anybody who tries to get close to rich people are parasites. Yeah. Um who are trying to take advantage. Yep. Except that in Parasite, they explicitly show that the family in it are poor and the way that they are parasitic is that they get jobs yeah. for the family and they yeah. carry out the jobs. They're drivers, they're cleaners, they're maids, they're babysitters. They do yep. everything that they're asked to do and yep. they get a wage. And that's them being parasites. parasites. Yep. Yes. Big quotation marks. Whereas in this, Barry Kogan is just a fuck off guy who shows yep. up and yep. does drugs and freeloads and does everything else everyone else in their circle does. But he's the villain for doing it. Yeah. That and the murders. But side side note, and the murders. Yeah, don't forget those. But that kind of frames the movie in a completely different way for me. That makes me feel very different about mm. the movie. To be honest, yeah. And I'm right there with like Jordan's point because like I, I feel the same that you're feeling, Chris. Of just like it, it, it just it's not satisfactory in that way in the way that we're supposed to be empathetic and it's like that psychosexual angle really would have like saved this movie for sure i think it would have made it like way more complex it's there from the start too like it like you know up. it builds it builds so well like we start he he fucks one freaky. of the he starts them fucking one of the girls who was like with jacob alordi yeah. you know like just so because he wanted to be close he wanted yeah, to be there he wanted to be there but like if, but at first because you don't know that it's like uh like a parasite in quotations mm-hmm. you think it's just like you know and then you get like the bathtub licking scene you're yeah. just like okay he wants to be with him so the closest mm-hmm. he can get with him is this woman who he fucked also yeah. so it's like it's just so fascinating the way that it pressure cooks and then it's just like he's just I, dies it, <laughs> i was gonna say it, oh sorry no go. oh sorry i was also gonna say that it's it sets up something that it sets up that there's going to be a twist that snaps back on Barry Kogan that doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Because there's definitely allusions to, oh, I like you so much more than the boy he brought home last summer. Yeah. Yes. And I thought that there was going to be sort of a society twist that Barry yeah. Kogan was going to think that he was on top and playing the game. But in reality, as the summer's drawing to a close and this big birthday party that they had planned for him was going to be 
some like ready or not style shit yeah. where it's just like hey now the rich people are going to hunt the poor because this is what we do <laughs> like something some uh, like third act twist that was going to flip the whole thing on its head and yeah. uh, like the blast all that shit out the window and the fact that that doesn't happen makes it that, I mean, one of my main drawbacks is just like, oh, we're just—he's just doing the thing. He's just yeah, taking over. Well, and it's funny because like I—I I hadn't really thought about that side of it either. Because like to me, in in hearing that, I was like, there are two ways to end this film that are almost identical to what we did. Mm. And had it been that, had it been like, oh yeah, like we brought you here to, and then we turn into like a slashery, ready or not thing with him as the victim of it like i was like okay like we've now done the same thing you did but in a way that is like making more sense to like i don't know fucking economic times and and yeah. and, and the people let them dig worry. their own grave yeah whereas for me on the other end like you know i'll just this is the last time i'll re-hit it but like you could have done the exact same thing you could still have the rich people have been the victim in this psychosexual way but it's that they just tear themselves down like yeah. mm-hmm. by the end of it they're fucking each other up because they have fallen in love with this like being that is Barry Kogan here and like you you still end it almost identical he gets the fucking house he's yeah. you, you end it which again mind you I loved that scene where he's dancing around naked he's just like, hanging dong phenom- running around just hanging dong <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> just absolutely brilliant yeah. moment like you still get the idea identical victimhood of this like family with him winning Mm -hmm. but where they have done it to themselves because they were obsessed with a thing that they needed and no one else could have it being this rich people mentality but it's all of them versus each other yeah and i was like that and you make that very weird psychosexual ending and the exact same way exact same way yeah or you do it this reverse where you want to do a slasher thing but you do it where like barry kogan kind of was the good guy and he played it weird enough but like could have done it mm-hmm. and he's like oh fuck i should i should have stayed home with my parents who i fucking hated yeah yeah that was the turning point for him yeah. where he, he yeah. had an out and he didn't take it and his yeah. downfall mm-hmm. is this party but yeah. i do also yeah it's a really good point of like take the um take the buttoned up a sociopathic rich family who uh, they're not allowed to do certain things or explore certain things because they need to put on this facade of being this aristocratic mm-hmm. uh, uh, fancy family and then Barry Kogan shows up who's free spirited who's uh, willing Man, to like, stretch I'm, their I'm so sexual weird. bounds and, and pro- poke and prod in places that they would never go and because of that they get a thirst and then their greed undoes them yeah. Yes, that yeah, is that much was, more interesting for all of these characters than what, what we got. It's but that true. is a much that's a much better written film. Agree, yes, which is 100%. what this boils down to. Yeah, it's it just it started as a better written film, and then it started to just like it just, mm-hmm. and then it cops out. I think that's the biggest yeah, thing. It does a bit of a cop out because I'm I'm right there with you. Of like the very ending is like poetry. Like it's I, I, like I love that final shot <laughs> yeah, is fantastic. Uh, but absolutely, I, I like your version, Jordan, of like the sexual awakening to them becomes yeah. their undoing 
yeah. and then it ends the same way, but it's a more satisfying way to get to that final shot. I'm sure Emerald Fennel had that shot in her head, which like it's evocative, like absolutely. It's, it's, it's run amazing. With, run it should with have been the whole movie. Yeah, it's just Two hours and ten minutes. minutes of him running around. Naked. <laughs> That's it. All I want to see is all I want to see is swinging Barry Kogan dog. Oh man, it, it's, a, it's a wonder the whole time. Two hours and ten minutes. We're just we're <laughs> moving. We're shaking. Yeah, should have. But yeah, I, that, I think that's the biggest. We're all agreed. Like it just yeah. it just peters out, unfortunately. But you know, before yeah. we do move on to the next one, I think we'd all agree mm-hmm. the performances are great, especially Barry Kogan. Um, mm. I think Jacob Elordi, who I haven't seen him in anything else because he's great. I, he's great. I haven't. I'm not mm-hmm. in Gen Z, so I haven't watched Euphoria. Um, but I know he was on. Wow. He's on that show. He's- He's a piece of shit in that show, and he does it really well. Does he? Okay. I yeah. and I I have a screener here for Priscilla, which I know he plays Elvis in. Ooh, I just watched that. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it good? I I'm it's looking, great. Okay, good. I'm looking it's, forward to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um. I mean, <laughs> this is, has nothing to do with the movie. Jacob Lordy is tall as fuck. Yeah, I, and it is. He's Evan in Saltburn too. He's like towers <laughs> over Barry Token. It, it yeah. is distracting him, Priscilla, at times oh. because he's just so awkwardly taller than everyone else in the world how tall and i was like he's like six five six six i think that's pretty tall yeah that is i mean it it, it works from like i read a friend's review of of priscilla that like it it works especially in the entering because like she was so young when they met so it's like she is and she is tiny yeah yeah for sure but like i could see like like, 15 but yeah but i could see like later in the movie where it's like distracting where i was like why are you so fucking tall (laughs) but no it is it's it's great i mean sophia coppola so like yeah it's one of those things where I, I think they were getting sidetracked. I'm going to be very quick. I think she tried to cover too much because she was doing the uh, the biopic that was written by Priscilla Presley. Right. Or like her, her autobiography. So I think they tried to cover too many things, but it's still Sofia Coppola, so it's such a tight film. Oh, like, cool. It is just so well-crafted. Like, she's so talented at like just like making a fucking movie awesome then i'll probably um, prioritize that after i finish yeah, uh, maestro for sure and he's great uh, he's great as elvis he does a really good his voice is great and all that stuff yeah, cool yeah. i look forward to it but he's great in this and so is uh rosamund pike and richard e grant as the parents oh rosamund pike's fantastic in this i, I like cannot Did sing her she, praises enough <laughs> the amount that she should be doing just straight comedies here like, she's funny she's, she's so very funny. funny um great timing same with carrie mulligan's only in like three <laughs> scenes and she, and she steals every single one she's in she's so good like, that is like the one thing i don't think we talked about is like granted i had seen promising young woman but like even from the trailer of 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 uh, Saltburn, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna go like straight hard, like kind of artsy, weird drama." It is a much funnier film, yes, oh, than yeah. I kind of inherently accept, expected it to be. Yes. It is very, very funny. Yeah, I guess that maybe that's something we didn't stress enough and should before we exit. Yes. It's like the movie's yeah. funny, very it funny at times. Very funny. Very. Mm-hmm. In addition to being as provocative as yeah. it can be, for sure. Um, so. It's worth it. It's worth checking out. It's worth reckoning with, um, you know, and it does make me want to watch it again, though. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like if I'll appreciate I might appreciate the things more, but then I'm like, fuck, well, maybe even more annoyed by the ending. of the movie. We'll see. But I'll give it a shot some other day for sure. Yeah, Um, no, I I, we're going through it. I I think it's worth watching because, A, I, I do think it is divisive enough that like you sat here and listened to us like kind of agree. We all have a very similar 
mentality towards films, but I do think it's divisive enough. But like, I think there are a lot of people who watch that and fucking come away like blown away. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, oh, sure. I really think there are people out there that'll like fully, oh, fully I've appreciate. I've it. seen a, a lot of like four and a half to five star reviews, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of one to one and a half star reviews. Yeah. So it's like you know, it's it's. So there, there will be there will be somebody out there. Interesting, it gets yeah, the dialogue going. It, it's which is yeah. which is great. Honestly, I'm I, I'm happy for it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we we have a couple other movies to get through here. Uh, but this is this is it for the movies all three of us have seen. So mm-hmm. uh, I apologize to Jordan for a sec. He's gonna have to take a back seat to one he has not seen. It's um, okay. If you guys want to jump I'm, ahead, no, no, no. I'm no. gonna go refill. So, so you guys go oh, okay. do your things. I gotta go get more drunk. Oh, okay. <laughs> get more drunk to talk <laughs> about help. to talk about one of the movies that Jordan <laughs> Ooh, and I have so unfortunately many. seen. Um, but uh, but we'll get started uh, with a movie that Chris and I have, have seen, which is the Holdovers, the latest yeah. movie from Alexander Payne. Um, I guess, Chris, first off, like, what's your history with Alexander Payne and his films? None. Really? Never seen an Alexander Payne movie before this. Oh, sorry. I, I know. <laughs> He's a blind spot. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, okay. Sideways has been on my list forever, and okay. I just never got around to it. I'm shocked you haven't seen Election. That that one, I think, maybe nope. more than anything. Oh, Election's phenomenal. So is, is Sideways. It Matthew Broderick? Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon. Uh, and oh, Chris okay. Klein yeah. uh, from American Pie. Oh. Um yeah, elections amazing. I've seen you had me at Chris Klein. That that's what got me into this. <laughs> same year as American <laughs> Pie. Same nineteen ninety nine. Same out the same year. Oh, Oz from American Pie. Well then, yeah, I, I'm I, totally I on board with that. The same guy from <laughs> Say It Isn't So with Heather Graham. Yeah, I'm hundred percent on board. With uh, I'm gonna jump off this podcast early. I gotta go put election on right now. Uh, there's a criterion of it, so oh, the next sale. Um, you know, but uh, wow. Okay, so this will be an interesting part of the conversation because I've seen every one of his movies except for downsizing uh from 2017 or 2018 uh that's not the one with matt damon that is is the one with matt damon it's famously not very good um that's why i didn't watch it and i didn't either Uh, it's kind of one of those things where you mentioned i think it's like vampires you want when you're like i don't want to see my hero at their lowest sort of thing so like Mm -hmm. hearing it was a big whiff i'm like look i'm happy he made a big studio movie but i'm like i don't think i need to watch it you know um so so I didn't see that one, but I've seen every one of his movies other than that. Uh, I've been a big fan of his work for, for many years, but I guess that'll be my second question. Having been your first Alexander Payne movie, what did you think of The Holdovers? I really, really liked it slash loved it. I, I think awesome. it's going to take a second viewing to solidify whether or not I loved it, but... There and I was talking to Megan about this last night because we watched it together. Uh, I watched it at home. I did the the twenty dollar Prime rental. Um, I was going to go to the theater and watch it, but I fucked up my back. So, um, which is no joke. Not, I'm glad you're feeling yeah, it's better. No joke. Yeah, it was like I don't want to drive to the theater. Maybe get a bad seat to where I need to crane my neck and watch the movie, especially because um, at the Coolidge. They were showing it in the screening room that only has like 30 seats. So if you oh, yeah. don't show up early enough, then you get a bad seat and you have to crane your neck to watch it. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, I'm not going to risk that. I'm just going to watch it at home. Um, and I'm glad that I did. But we watched it together and it it falls into this category of movies that I can't I can't quite I can't quite explain. But it, it's it's melancholy, but 
the the melancholy is like a, a warm melancholy. It's a shared experience amongst other people. And the movie sets it up very early on that it, this is a 70s movie. It's a period piece. It starts with like the old uh, MPAA rating yeah, screen. Yeah, this motion picture has been rated R with the blue. And, it, yeah. and it's incredible. I saw that and I was like, oh, the, oh, that's in like the old logos that they're putting on the on the front and the uh even the credits have like a flicker like the the text yep. is bouncing and so it's just like oh okay so you're setting me up to watch this as if it's a 70s movie and the movie's edited like a 70s movie so there's no like real quick cuts there's longer shots uh longer takes of dialogue and stuff like that and you sort of really get absorbed with the characters as they're speaking with one another and it helps that the characters are played by incredible actors in uh Paul Giamatti uh in uh uh, my computer froze. Divine oh, Joy God. Randolph, uh, who was yes. in Dolomite is my name, and uh, and even Velocity. Dominic Sessa, uh, who is like a newcomer. First movie, never acted anything ever. Could have fooled me. Incredible. <laughs> so incredible. Good. He he uh, sounds a lot like and looks a little like Trevor Moore from The Whitest Kids You Know. Oh yeah. Um, so I that kind it. of like it put me out a little bit uh, when watching the movie because there's just like. I just hear Trevor, um, but his performance is so good that I, like I, I was like lost in the whole thing. I was really charmed by it, but it took me like a bit to sort of. I mean, I was immediately engrossed in the movie. I'll say that, but it took me a bit to get onto the movie's tempo. And then once I was in the movie's tempo, and I sort of realized like, oh, this is going to be like really grounded human storytelling that's going to be about the human experience especially tied to the holidays and like the Mm -hmm. melancholy that is intrinsic with the holidays but we try and sort of bury it and cover it with all of our presents and our songs and our uh our our, uh, (laughs) decorations and whatnot Mm -hmm. all of that window dressing to try and uh pick up the spirit but then like the human spirit is there in the middle and that's where they try and stick the story and explore it and I was like blown away, impressed with this movie. Oh, I'm glad to hear it because because same. I I think this is the right now if the year ended today. I think it's sitting my number three of the year, and those number one and two are Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer, which are just like these big swing and dick, like mm-hmm. like massive cinematic achievements. And so like, and not to say this isn't, it's just on a smaller scale. But it's it's yeah. it's fantastic. I I feel like it really gets the best of like pains whole like worldview like whole sort of like filmography so for a little bit of crash course for you and for maybe anybody who hasn't seen his movies his starting movie citizen you're like oh i'm standing by citizen ruth and election are very like biting satires like citizen ruth is about a woman in a small town who's going to get an abortion and people throwing a fucking fit about it this is like circa 1996 uh with laura dern uh, election is like uh, Tracy Flick, uh, Reese Witherspoon's character is like a like goody two shoes, and like Matthew Broderick just f- is the teacher who just fucking hates her, and like he's trying to like rig <laughs> the election. Um, and then like he did about Schmidt and Sideways, which are like mm-hmm. closer to the holdovers, and it's sort of like melancholic look. Like you said, slice of life seventies and like shared experience. I feel like he's really trying to do like Hal Ashby, like movies like Being There and um, The Last Detail. Harold and Maude um, especially the last detail which I don't know if you've seen that that movie but like that's kind of a similar where like two military police Jack Nicholson and it's uh, I don't remember who the other actor is in it um, 
are assigned to bring the other uh, someone who like a deserter essentially in, played by Randy Quaid, and he's a young Randy Quaid. He's Randy Quaid's phenomenal in that movie, and he's just like he's just a kid. And so it's like they take him to get drunk, they take like get late, like it's just this like shared sort of experience, and mm-hmm. this sort of feels that way as well. Uh, for anyone who hasn't you know know anything about the holdovers, it's in the late 60s it's in the 60s i believe late 60s it's 1970 early 70s. Oh, 1970 hit, that's right yeah. they hit the new years it's 1970 it's 1971 yeah. okay and um you're right you're right and um and it's essentially a like a prep high school um and the the catholic titu- school catholic school the titular holdovers are people who are not going home for the holidays so they're the people who are held back from going home so there's like five people being held back uh paul giamatti is uh the the history teacher like the european history teacher and he's a total total like prickly hard prick ass. hard ass like nobody likes him nobody nobody like he he grades difficult um you know nobody enjoys him and he was even like the dean of the school like the, they set that up pretty early they set up like the dean doesn't the dean like the school him. Is like yeah, like people pay a lot of money to come here, so they expect us to like, give their kids good grades because they paid that money. And, and he's, he's like, "Well, they don't earn like, those grades, you know." And so, which, right, which, yeah. like, you know, no, no spoilers for people. But like, they really, the move, the script, which uh, you wrote, the screenwriter here. I'm glad you did. Um, who also just won best screenplay, best original screenplay for uh, the National Board of Review, David Hemmingson. Uh, mm-hmm. The script pays off like a slot machine, like the way that the mm-hmm. movie peels back the layers at the exact right moment at, at any given time. Everything is set up so perfectly. But uh, Paul Giamatti is a total hard ass. He was seeing the holdovers last year and it was some other teacher's year to do it. And the teacher gave some bullshit reason to get out of it. And so Paul Giamatti ends up doing it again. Um, and then there's Divine Joy Randolph. She's the head cook at the cafeteria. She just lost her son in Vietnam, uh, who was a student at the school. Um, and so she's staying behind just, you know, because you know, she's she like, doesn't want to go, doesn't home go to her home. family for the holidays. Yeah, because, because of the loss. She would have to face it. Yeah. Um, and then there's our, our newcomer. Uh, he, he uh, who's mom and stepmom, st- stepdad decide to take their honeymoon uh so he is stuck there uh not only is he stuck there but um some other parent some one of the kids rich parent comes in via helicopter uh (laughs) brings calls all the other parents the other kids are allowed to go they can't get a hold of the other the parents of uh, because they're they're on on their honeymoon honeymoon, so so it's literally just paul giamatti and divine joy randolph and this kid and And this kid and first it's like you know it's absolute like you know everyone is sort of like just bitter uh and then it becomes bittersweet and then it becomes sweet like it just becomes this understanding it just becomes people, heartwarming at it, the end of it, it because yeah. of people's like you know like you said shared experiences and their worldview and people like you know coming to understand each other outside and really sharing uh grief and loss like everybody right. you know again not going to get into the specifics of why but no. it's like but it does a really great job of like you know, we already know Divine Joy Randolph's, but it's like we find out Paul Giamatti's history. We find out the kids' history. And um, it's like it's just really somber, really well done. And it's one of those endings which like it could have gone so wrong. That ending could have been mm. so bad in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it like fucking nails it. I was just sticks like, it. Sticks yep. it. Sticks the landing so well. Um, just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful movie. Um 
I saw it at a matinee like a couple weeks ago, like a 10 a.m. matinee. And there was like two other people in the theater. It was like really empty. Um, and it was awkward because like, yes, it was, you know, it's a melancholic movie. But in that Alexander Payne way, it's really, really funny at, at times. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like Giamatti, which, god damn. I, yeah. I hope he wins Curly an Oscar. Toes. I hope he wins an Oscar for this. He's just so <laughs> damn good. Um, but I was laughing a lot during the movie and the other two people. And, and it was like not a group of two people. Like it was all three people, all just one of us in different parts yeah. of the theater. Partitioned. And like the other two people weren't making any like reaction. And I was like, don't make me feel like the weirdo. This is funny. God damn it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I, if anything else, like, yeah, please watch this movie. Like you said, Chris, it's a twenty nine ninety nine rental uh, or twenty nine ninety nine purchase, nineteen ninety nine rental. Um, if you can still see it in a theater, do. Um, and, uh, yeah, if nothing else, I recommend more Alexander Payne movies for sure. I I think, I think you'd like election. I think you'd really like sideways. And I think you'd like Nebraska, uh, with, with Will Forte, Bruce Stern, Bob Odenkirk. Bruce Stern, that's right. Uh, Sorry, I'm popping in here. That Nebraska was Alexander Payne. Yeah. Oh yeah. It might be the only movie I've seen from him. Oh, really? <laughs> and I really love Nebraska, but sorry. It's uh, really good. Not to say No, no, I haven't seen that. It's so good. This is the first it's Alexander really Payne good. movie. It's, it's very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was the first time where I was like, because I love Will Forte. We did a whole uh, a mm-hmm. third of an episode talking about MacGruber mm-hmm. and our love for that movie. But I mean, like, because um, it's hilarious. But like, it shocked me. I'm like, fuck, Will Forte, actor. He's <laughs> like, very, he's very good in it really really yeah yeah Yeah, man he's really really good in it so uh yeah absolutely recommend it but yeah the holdovers isn't that brewster sorry it is brewster yep okay okay. (laughs) yeah it is brewster uh about schmidt's good too um it's funny i don't i know i've seen it i but it's like one that hasn't stuck in my brain like it was the it was the framed, which I don't know if any of you play framed. I, I, I have my morning puzzle games because I'm fucking 80, apparently. Um, yeah. I do the wordle and I do this like trivia game and I do. Oh, you're that guy in the killer uh, that he was just like, it. yeah, this got fucking it. guy. Yeah, was, oh, wordle. Yeah. That's why I was upset about it. Um, cause I'm like, <laughs> you asshole. I'm like, don't, I, why, why is David you're personally attacking me? <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, and then I do this one called Framed, which is basically at the Wordle where they do a different still from a movie and you have six Mm -hmm. guesses to do it. And like Mm -hmm. and I knew too just from the movies. But one week, like it said sponsored by the holdovers. So I I caught on pretty quick the whole week. I'm like, well, these are Alexander Payne movies. Like Mm -hmm. one was just a black and white Vista. But I was like, it's Nebraska because this is only a black and white movie. But like I think it was the first one. And I couldn't until like there was a picture of Jack Nicholson like kind of balding and i was like oh it's about schmidt like um i don't remember enough about that movie except for like the scene everyone remembers the the kathy bates getting in the hot tub naked scene um oh well okay adding that to my list to watch <laughs> like, okay, immediately to my watch oh, list uh, i don't remember that oh, scene. oh that's I, where no. that move that's what that movie's for <laughs> yeah okay thank okay. you <laughs> i've seen off. the image <laughs> <laughs> i've watched that scene like six times on pornhub <laughs> <laughs> oh man well on that note uh, chris i guess i stopped i thought, you. <laughs> I, I thought it was uh uh oh my god I forgot. misery never mind yes that was the one i was trying to think of i forgot the punchline to my own joke <laughs> after she breaks james con's ankles she's like well time for me to relax <laughs> 
I, I stepped over you, Chris. Any other? Do you have any other thoughts on the holdovers before we? Uh, no, I, I, I uh, criminally underseen Alexander Payne. I guess I need to go and and rewatch uh, the movies that he's he's seen. But I, I would like highly, highly, highly recommend the holdovers. But I would also highly, highly, highly recommend. This might be hypocritical, but don't read too much into it. Don't no. listen too much into it. Uh, don't get like a really good idea of what happens in the movie. Just go in and sort of understand the characters because that's the lifeblood of the movies. And once you're able to connect to those characters and like watch their story unravel and really watch them sort of flower and open up, that's where the magic is. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, uh, to me, like a rare movie nowadays is is just to sit with these people yeah. and get a good sense of them. And then you're rooting for them because they feel that close to you. Not yeah. just because the story has told you to unfold in that way, to feel that way is that you really, really do care about these people by the end of this movie. And I was, that's what left me most awestruck when the credits rolled. It was just like, Oh shit. I'd like all of these people and I want them all to win yep. and none of them are real. So exactly. Con- congratulations. And it's just one of those movies that puts those characters through like an emotional ringer, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like, there's, there's one scene, which I, you know, won't get into specifics, but it's, it's a, uh, it's a Christmas Eve party. And it's like, it's like really like, it, it just, to me, it captures the perfect, like sort of like, grief and melancholy that some do experience around like the holidays of just like here's this warm inviting thing that's happening but then all our characters in one way or another are like losing in the scene mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just hurt just hurts your hopes heart. and dreams versus reality <laughs> yeah and it's just like that's a that's a hell of a whiplash yeah no. <laughs> it's good stuff so uh, holdovers yeah. highly recommended um and then we have a couple others that i know chris you haven't seen these movies yet um one of them you shouldn't, and I feel like we should just get it out of the fucking way, just to talk, just to, just to. We want to start with that one. Kinda, because I just I... okay. I got a pee, so perfect time. Ah, <laughs> uh, do we want to start with that one? I well, no, it's up to you. Whatever you want to do. I let's. I don't just, know, it doesn't matter to me. The way I, I like to, if if possible, that's why our structure, you know, being good, bad, what we end okay. on a what, you know, like not that. Okay, perfect. Whatever, but then, like, then... But let's, let's. I want to get this one out of the way because it's. F- fucking terrible. Love it. And I, and I want to end on a high note. <laughs> Bring it home. T- okay. Tell him what it is. Okay, so the movie is Silent Night, directed by John Wu, a filmmaker that you and I, Jordan, fucking love. Like, love. 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 Hard Boiled Sir. is a masterpiece. The Killer it's is a, a masterpiece. Fucking masterpiece. Face Off is a masterpiece. Um, just watched it like a week ago man they just put a 4k out or are putting a 4k out this one kino lorber is yeah yeah absolutely like just 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 even even like lesser woo movies of like like i like the better tomorrow movies which like are solid hard target even rocks like dude love hard target hard target punching that snake out like let's go uh wilford brimley riding away on that that donkey away from the exploding building um dude even like mission impossible 2 the whole last 30 minutes of mission impossible 2 rips like look so i just recently like it was i think for whatever the most recent mission impossible was i forgot the name of it Mm. um but like i did the whole i did the whole rewatch Oh, yeah. Like, I did, like, all of them through. And, dude, right off the bat, I get Mission Impossible 2. That movie fucks, man. Yeah, like, it's good. Like, that it's good. <laughs> movie 
absolutely slaps. Like it has such a bad um, PR. Yeah, to it. It's got a bad rap, but it's it is fun, and it really is like it's it's that I would say some of that John Woo melodrama doesn't work with the spy stuff, but like when it comes no. to the action, man, like so so killer, so killer. But uh, also like the the very like sensual tub scene with Tandy Newton where they're like like hacking in and people are coming in. I was like the first time in my life where I'm like, oh yeah, Tom Cruise does feel like he has a sex appeal here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, it I, seems it seems like it's working. Not since the the not since the volleyball scene in, in Top Gun. That, right. Uh, you know, and and uh you know and it, the bummer is that it's it it, it the only bummer about Mission Impossible Two is it fle- it followed directly a Brian De Palma spy yes. film. Like yes. clearly, yes, that was that that shift was too quick. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But like, I even I like I liked two better than three upon the rewatch, and I used to think three was like much better than two. Interesting. Uh, I mean, three three at least has Philip Seymour Hoffman, like which does I mean, a yeah. lot. It does a ton. It does um, a ton. You know, but uh, but like it just looks like an episode of Alias. Like I forgot how much Mission Impossible yeah. Three looks like a TV movie. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but two, like you know, two grips in in that. So hmm? I feel like we've set the stage well. We're very big fans <laughs> of John Woo. So big, big fans. He's got a new movie out called Silent Night, and the, the premise is it's it's kind of the same premise as a movie that Chris and I talked about. And I don't know if you've seen it. Is No One Will Save You. Uh, it's on Hulu. It's like a sci-fi movie. It's not bad. Oh, yes, sci-fi yes, horror yes, movie. yes. Yeah. The one with... Um... Caitlin Dever, or Dever, however yes, you pronounce her name. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Which is good. That, and we, we we added our issues with the movie, but we liked it I have, overall. I have issues with that movie. Well. Yeah, I, think, I, I figured <laughs> if you probably might. But well-crafted, at least. Like, but, uh-huh. but 100%. Sim- but Silent Night is a similar gimmick in that it's a nearly wordless movie where there's, like, you know, dialogue, uh, expositions being done through like radio and things mm-hmm. like that. But like most people do not speak in this movie. Um, and it stars Joel Kinnaman, uh, the, the best Charlie Hunnam out of, uh, I was, I was trying to think of another generic like actor. And... Uh, no, you're right. But I also like, I genuinely really like Joel Kinnaman. I like I, him I, too. I, think... I, I liked him in, in the James Gunn suicide squad movie. I, I don't, I did. I a do, lot. Yeah, I don't fault him for the uh, like the RoboCop remake. I actually think he's fine in it. Like the movie's not yeah. good, but it's not his fault. I think he's totally fine. He's in the ki- uh, the killing. What's that? And and weirdly enough, like did no plan to like prep for this. I recently just rewatched all the killing. Oh, did you really? That's I did. Like I'm I'm now on season four, their last season where they got canceled. Yeah. Um, but like, dude is a good actor. He is like, a good actor. He, yeah. He, he he can he can throw his weight around and he can like he can do which before I guess you're still introing it which is why it interested me that it was like okay I, I assume he was not going to talk at all through the film yeah and I was like okay give him a shot to like kind of do something and but but i i would have thought like i understand him not talking but it like but it makes no sense for no one else to be talking no in this one movie. else uh it doesn't make any sense you don't buy the setup. Um, I was going to ask you what you thought about the movie, but I feel like we've already sort of spilled that hand a little bit. I mean, well, not ask. not explicitly. No, wait, no, no. Have you? Did you go first last time? You go first this time. Oh, you tell me. You, oh, I guess have I not gone first? Well, thank you. For uh, I don't know. I didn't miss the holdovers. I was oh, getting drunk. gotcha. Uh, you fair enough. I was getting drunk I, explicitly for this 
review. Okay, so I I do usually I don't know why I just tend to take the reins. I ask Chris like usually. So thank you for passing it to me. I guess I have not Here gone go. first, so I will go Here first and go. say this movie fucking sucks. Um, yeah! I am not going to mince words. This, I, this movie is terrible, and it's terrible on multiple fronts. The setup is not believable for the um, for the speaking. So that's yep. issue number one. Uh, mm-hmm. Issue number two, which is the biggest issue of this movie, is this movie is inherently fucking racist. Insanely <laughs> racist. Um, that is, is explicit. It's explicit. It is. And, and, it, and it's the lack of dialogue. Like, it, it probably might would have been with dialogue, but the lack of dialogue makes it even worse. Because, <laughs> yeah. because you are telling the audience through visual cues, because the villains villains of this movie are like the most stereotypical like mexican gang stereotypes that you could possibly put in one single film and it's i mean i feel like they had a spin board of like what is this other mexican gangster doing and they're like drugs uh beating up a lady uh whatever it is but you're you're visually conveying in this movie that has no dialogue that you're you're having the audience infer what's happening without having the dialogue that you are telling them explicitly the white guy good brown people bad that's <laughs> yeah. the way that it's trying to 100%. do it. and, and I, it just it baffled me especially from someone who's not like a white american filmmaker mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that's so baffling about the whole thing i know i know he I, was one of the producers and there are some other producers there there's a tough because i've been trying to reconcile that as well there's a tough thing with when as much as i love woo as a person like you do have to go back and he is very cop friendly yeah i mean and this is an incredibly cop friendly film yeah there's a lot of copaganda in his movies which like you know i mean but but look i love him but like i have to understand i agree i agree (laughs) no that's a valid point that's a good thing that was an underlying theme through a lot of the movies we just rattled off that we love like we love hard boiled yeah. and the killer and a better oh, tomorrow, but really? like, but they are very cop friendly. I agree with that. Yeah. But the diff, the big difference here, in addition to it being inherently racist, because like I, I think I, I don't know if I told you this watching through text. Like I just rewatched Training Day recently because I, okay, I, yeah. I picked up a couple Black Friday 4Ks. Training nice. Day still slaps. It's so good. Fuck yeah! But I was thinking in that movie, like I was thinking about the scene where Ethan Hawks with like Cliff Curtis and the other gang members. And mm-hmm. I was, and and there's actually like a Duco. nuance to that, Nuko. There was yeah. a nuance, and I was just trying to imagine that scene without dialogue and how like racist that would come across <laughs> if it how wasn't. It looks. You know, but like, but like <laughs> when you have the conversation, it at least breaks down barriers. Unless you know, you, but but like this movie, there's there, none there's of that. characterization of something exactly, like, even if they're quote unquote the villain and yes. bad. Yes, there's characterization, which by taking that, you're just like I, again, it just it just baffled me yeah. the decisions yeah, just... that they made in this movie and the third thing that's wrong with it oh. that's the next biggest thing wrong in addition yeah. to the racism um <laughs> is like the one thing that could save it as we talked about with the other is like if the action slapped like we yeah. right, we expect that from yes. john woo the action is terrible in this movie like it is so clunky and indiscernible digital blood digital smears like you know, you, I want to give you the floor because you had a perfect description of why the action doesn't work. And I was like, I could mm. not describe it better than that. 
Um, so I'll hand it over to you for that. Yeah, and I yeah, so I'll I'll start with that before I go into it. But like to me, like the action in this film, like the the entire reason the action of this movie doesn't work is because it's clearly because they put it on every trailer overall. Mm-hmm. Is that it's like oh, it's produced by John Wick team. Yeah, the producers and of John Wick. It was producers not, of John. It was Wick. it was never. In big letters, a John Woo film. It was from the yeah. producers of John. From the Wick. producers of John Wick, and then a John Woo film. And so what happens is, is like, because John Wick, like, look, it, it is obviously like, um, it's obviously not realistic the no. action that happens in John Wick's films, but it is a realism that's like based in like real fighting where they're like oh like this is this is it's grounded this is how people who trained how to do this would do certain things so you get this like um partial reality right of a of a fight sequence even though it's like way over the top like it's it's a way over the top yes exactly way over the top comic book world like a comic book world with a grounded like action with a grounded action moment yeah whereas john woo forever the the reasons we've loved him is that he cares absolutely fucking zero about reality yeah like it is Mm an operatic yeah. It is a ballet, a bullet of fucking ballet. bullets yeah. and fucking <laughs> sparks and doves. doves and like it is like it is someone who's just like what would be the coolest looking fight scene? Yep. And like I'm going to do that. And what happened with this film was you have John Woo who is this like I don't care at all what reality looks like matched with like yes hyper realistic uh people who are like let's like do it but like what could actually kind of possibly happen and then those two things converge and then you get the worst of both worlds yes like it is it is not realistic in the john wick way that like is really cool where you're like oh i kind of could see maybe if someone was like really good they could do that and then you get the john woo side where it's like a bit operatic and then you're like wait why the fuck are there sparks happening here have they shot a car 170 times and no one got hit and so you get both sides converging and none of them actually play out which means you have an awful fucking action sequence Mm, because you have to you have to go fully on board one way or the other you have like because again as you said john wick 4 is a phenomenal fucking action film and and also incredibly inspired by john woo oh big time especially the final leg of that movie where like he's takes that that like rocket launcher type gun and is just blasting through and the bird's that eye view over and, the that uh, like so good. could not be more john woo inspired because like i mean look the reason we all love him is that that man like created america's version of like hyper action film yeah Oh, I mean, he's a Hong Kong filmmaker, and he brought the Hong Kong styling to America, like before Jackie Chan. You know, so it's like he, he, you know, he, he, and and things like the Matrix, like like it's been pushed forward because the Matrix is really inspired, of course, inspired by Hong Kong cinema. But it's like Mm -hmm. it started here in the states with John Woo. Like we've gotten to that point of the John. Like there's a a linear line you can draw straight from John Woo to John Wick. 
And so it's like, I understand, like you said, the merging of the worlds makes sense on paper. On paper. But, but in execution, it's like, oof, boy. Like, well, I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What I was to say, like, I mean, and let, I guess let me, like, circle back to doing the beginning part of this is, like, what I think of this whole thing is, I agree with you, it's fucking trash. It's yeah. a bad fucking movie. Like, it's terrible. And, and here's the thing is, like, I, so I went and saw it, like, opening day. Got to see it in like a again a packed theater, which is, is for anyone watching. If they don't already go watch movies in the theater, it's the fucking best. Um, you also live because, in a like, spot where maybe the only place uh, that Silent Night was packed because this movie tanked horribly. <laughs> tanked horribly. <laughs> yeah. I saw it, so I did a double. We won't go into it because I have a whole different thing about it. I did double featured Thanksgiving <laughs> and Silent Night, doing like a whole holiday so i yeah so i got like drunk so if you don't know let me plug it i don't work for them i just love them alamo draft house the shit (laughs) um so i went saw thanksgiving got a little bit drunk then had like an hour in between so i walked down to their bar and we all got a little more drunk and then popped back up and watched silent night so i was like properly drunk because here's look look at the trailer like it's a john woo film yeah. I'm expecting the John Woon film. Like, I, I'm ready for, like, what it's bringing. Mm-hmm. And it starts. And, like, look, there's, like, a bit of a rough start. But, like, there's a good 20, 30 minute or, like, 20, 25 minute chunk where it's, like, overly melodramatic. Which, for John Woo, mm-hmm. is what you expect. And I think Joel like, Kinnaman sells the that, like harrowing like thing that he goes through i'll give him credit i think he does sell it for sure and there's like this whole portion where like the theater is laughing because all of this stuff is like so over the top and i was like like what we showed up for like you're like okay great like this is like way too dramatic but like in a very john woo funny way i don't think he's doing it as funny but we all get it yeah um And then what happens is there's like another 40 minutes of him like training to be good at like fighting. And I was like, dude, face off did the training, like did the, the, did the story setup sequence in the, in the credits. Yeah. Yeah. Like they literally like in the credits before the movie starts, they're like, here's where we're at now. Yeah. And it took this film like an hour hour to get there that's really weird yeah and so for me it it is and and even even with that as what we've described with john woo films and you look back you know like with with modern eyes you're like yeah it's probably not great um but his action is so fucking like exciting Mm -hmm. that you forget you forget the like rougher parts of his movies yes you forget the propaganda angle of, of a lot of his even movies. <laughs> even this film taking a fucking hour if the last half of this movie was like john woo balls out i probably would have been like dude it's great yeah like i'd have been like here for it but the last hour is this mishmash bullshit action that doesn't work mm-hmm. it's edited to death it's super and like even even the even the like uh like cg side of it because like we're getting in a weird place where people want to do live rounds night or not live rounds but like live fire like i get it like but there's still a fucking action that woo exists in 
Yeah. That was not happening here. It was just a terrible action sequence. It's awful. Over and over again. I would have even believed the no, like the whole bit of no one saying a line. I feel like both you and I would have been like, dude, that was wild, but it worked. Had the John Woo side of this film worked. Yeah. A lot of it just never, ever did. I would agree. A lot of it would be forgivable with the problems persisting had that action worked, but it's like, we're here for the action. The action sucks. And it just sucks. So like, therefore, what am I here for movie wise? You know what I mean? Like, like I said, credits Joel Kinnaman. I think he does his best. I think everyone else is kind of just sleepwalking through it. Like Kid Cuddy's like the detective oh in it. Which Dude, is, he's just there? He's just there. And like, look, I love Kid Cuddy. I, I love him. I love him acting in things, but I was like, why the fuck is Kid Cuddy this guy? It's so weird. Why? It's so, it's so strange it, and so bad. And yeah, I, and you like, like that, that's hearing you say this, because like you said, you are the ideal state of mind and way to watch this like little three sheets of the wind and in a packed yep. audience i had like a beer watched it late at night on a digital screener that they sent like the day of release i think maybe they sensed the movie wasn't gonna do that well and they also didn't have a press screening so they're like sure we'll send a so i was like well cool like i, I was like my family's in town so i'm not gonna be able to get to the theater this weekend yeah so i'll watch it tonight and i was like i stayed up too late watching it and i was like i regret everything about this Such a mistake. <laughs> so. well again and like that again that early portion of like overly melodramatic like the whole theater is laughing and i was like yes this is it i was like this is like the build-up you want for the woo stuff like it's so ridiculous and again and we've talked about it the one one single single thing i will praise this movie for is that they have a match cut from a tear rolling down the cheek, and as it falls off the jaw, it turns into a bullet hitting the table, and it was one of the greatest shots I've ever seen in my entire life. It was a cool match cut. <laughs> I, I, like, as it, ha- I howled when that happened. It was brilliant. And, and then, and then the and rest then, of the movie happened. And then the rest of it was the most racist trash I'd ever seen in my entire life. It's so, it's so amazingly terrible. Nineties, nineties level racist. Like uh, it is. Rough. It's like Death Wish, like like Death, like Death Wish three level like racism. Like it's and it's and, so bad. And the action's better in Death Wish three. Like I would take Death Wish three over this movie in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, it's, yeah, it's rough. It's rough, it's man. Bad. It's don't don't see it. <laughs> oh, so that's strong. See it, like, not see it when it. Oh yeah, I guess to the end of it, do we do yeah, we please. suggest? Uh, yeah. So my suggestion is. Do not ever pay to see this movie. Um, if it shows up on a streaming service, you know, get after it, I guess. If you plan to, but if you don't, yeah. like, don't, you're not... This you're is not a suggestion. Gonna, you're it's not very be bad. Better so off. This isn't the Jonasons. This isn't the Blue's Comeback. No. No. Go watch oh. Face Off. Like, Face Off, oh, I mean, hard I, I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> Face Off, yeah, if, you, if you're cool, as long as you're chill with, like, dial, you know, like, reading, like, which everyone should be, go yeah. watch Hard Boiled. It's phenomenal. You gotta watch his um, movie. If you want an English, if you want an English one, Face Off. Face Off is all you ever yep. need to see. That movie's fucking brilliant. Even Hard Target, like we said at the start of this. Oh, and I would yeah, recommend Hard Target. Target as well. So, <laughs> Well, anything other than this movie. Anything. Don't let this don't let this ever be the first John Woo movie you see. If you've never watched John Woo, do not watch this movie. No, Oof. God, no. Please do not. Watch something else. Well, 
speaking of face off and Nicolas Cage, should we should we pivot and finish our our, our last movie that Jordan and I have seen? And I know Chris, poor Chris, I know you haven't got a chance to see this yet, so we will not spoil it. No spoilers here. No, but I'll take the headphones off. Feel free to spoil all you want. No, we're not going to because I don't want to spoil for our listeners either. Like because they should go see the movie. Um, but uh, as listeners would know, and Jordan, you know, because you're among us. Um. We're very big fans of Nicolas Cage around these mm-hmm. parts. Um, yep. One might say the biggest fans. And mm-hmm. he's got a new movie out that he's in uh, called Dream Scenario. Uh, it's directed by a Swedish filmmaker, Christopher Borgley, uh, who previously did a movie called Sick of Myself. And people will be sick of myself beating the drum for oh that movie. Uh, <laughs> How embarrassing. How dare you? It's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible, <laughs> terrible setup. But no, but for real, if. I will recommend Sick of Myself to you, Jordan, to Chris, to our listeners. Yeah, I will. I will definitely. Um, but Dream Scenario, it's got Nicolas Cage in it. And he's, uh, I got to imagine the pitch was like, what if Nick Cage was Freddy Krueger? <laughs> like a real life gr- I, ground, to a certain extent, like a grounded. Yeah. Like, but it's more, we'll have to get into it, I guess. But it's yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a tenured mild-mannered milkatoast professor yeah um he's very much like um he's very similar to the the charlie kaufman fictionalized character in adaptation i think would probably be a hundred percent actually yeah that's a very good way to put it fair adaptation like it's along those lines he's a very just milkatoast dude um who starts just showing up in people's dreams um and that's not like a spoiler that's in the trailer that's the setup of the (laughs) movie that's, that's the whole he, he shows up in people's dreams. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the setup for the movie. And uh, then he start like he goes, he gets famous. Like he 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 he's, and he's like this just bitter. He's this just like bitter kind of like has been guy. Like he's like you said, he's a tenured professor, but like yeah. other colleagues and students of his are like sort of excelling in different areas. So he's just this embittered <laughs> guy. But he goes viral, gets famous for starting to become in people's dreams. And then to yada, 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 without, like, spoilers, it sort of becomes this sort of interrogation of, like, cancel culture and viral, like, uh, sensations and Mm -hmm. uh, things of that sort. But I I guess I'll ask you, Jordan, what did you think of of Dream Scenario? I mean, man, so (laughs) it it is... I'll say because this movie is incredible, like kind of through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I left that film, and as you pointed out already, like we're all collectively pretty huge Cage fans, and I, I have I've been from the forefront that he is one of the best actors of our fucking generation. Yeah, and I think he had gotten such a weird pigeonhole that we, at least in the public eye, has have fixed in the last like five years um is that he is he is just such an incredible person so for how good this film is like the biggest takeaway when i walked out like dude his performance as like just such a little fucking shit (laughs) like he's just such an like his character is such an awful like type of person yeah he's really petty and he's he's petty and he's small and like he just holds correct like he's like you you've met this type of person before and like he's blamed the entire world for everything that ever happened to him and like dude the way he embodies 
And and for someone like Cage, who is a big, big actor, like yeah. he is over the top. That's why we love him in these things. The fact that he like encompassed this like tiny, just shitty type of human that's like so small and so awful. Like I was by the time I left, like anything aside from how crazy the movie gets, like his performance as that type of a person utterly blew me away. And yeah. this is coming from someone who thinks he can do anything, but that still, that performance rocked me. Yeah. He's so good in it. He's so like, like you said, small, petty, but it's like really also like introspective. And the fact that it's like, we, we all expect the cage like blowout. Right. But it's like, mm-hmm. he's, but he has this persistent, like rage bubbling underneath him, yes. throughout, but it never really comes out. And I think that's almost more impressive than like the yeah. big explosion. And, you know, I don't want to spoil anything really. All, all I'll say, and you will know what I mean by this is the character's trajectory yeah. and where it, the hot, the, the roller coaster they go on. Yeah to me felt like a better meta narrative for cage in his career than something like the unbearable way to massive talent where he was playing the, like the fictionalized version of himself, yeah. which like we talked about Chris and I on this episode uh, on an yeah. episode and we were not big fans of that movie, despite being huge cage heads. Like it just was sort of like, it felt I like, remember. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, no, no. I was just saying, I, I, I remember you, you talking about that. It just, it just felt like it really gave into like the memeification mm-hmm. of Nicolas Cage and, and it, and it was very like surface. And like this movie has a lot to do with like memeification just in general, not necessarily mm-hmm. Nick Cage, but just in general, the way we process information yeah. and jokes and media. And I just feel like the way that, that, that people have, perceived Nicolas Cage throughout the course of his career and the trajectory this character goes through was much more self-reflective in a much more satisfying way. But that's just a, but that's just a small sliver. Like the whole, like, yes. you know, unlike the killer where we were like, Oh, the underneath is interesting, but I mm-hmm. wish the, the above it, the text was more interesting. Whereas like this, it's like the meta narrative is interesting, but the text is wildly entertaining and interesting in this it's, movie. Like it's such a ride. It's so fun. It's so good. And on top of that, like I, I honestly had not thought of it as like a meta narrative of his career. Like I knew he was like doing these other things, but it was very interesting when you were like, cause we talked about it a little earlier, but right. then just saying it now, like I didn't really look at it in that like, focus but it does make sense it makes a lot of sense and i didn't really until after the fact like because i was sort of just chewing on the movie because i was like you know because the movie's pretty kind of nuts like the movie it's bizarre it's so strange it's surreal it's absurd it's hilarious and it like and it takes so many different turns that you don't expect and all of them satisfying Mm -hmm. like I, i think every turn is the right decision 100%. and it's satisfying. Yep. But it wasn't until after, like I was sort of thinking about it. I was like, Oh, this actually would work as like a, a like, you know, reflection of, of, Cage yeah, and of his like, career, well, yeah, what he's doing, which yeah. like, you know, I guess IMDb trivia. I, I don't, I, <laughs> I read a few things about this from IMDb trivia and I'm only going okay. to believe some of it. Uh, okay. The only one I'm going to believe the only, the one I'm not going to believe is, is that I guess at one point they thought about Adam Sandler playing this part who There's I think no way. it wouldn't have worked the way it did. I, I, I like Sandler in dramatic roles. Like I, I am yeah. a sucker for Sandler when he 
is on because uh, I think he's a I mean, phenomenal course. dramatic actor. He do uncut joms, uncut joms. Uh, but like you know, <laughs> even funny people, I I like go yeah, to bat yeah. for you know. But I, I just this wouldn't have worked. But I guess hmm. what I do believe because Ari Aster is a producer of this movie, and yeah. I guess uh, and Christopher Borley had I written this and I think sold it to A twenty four prior to making okay. Sick of Myself. And uh, this was going to be Ari Aster directing it at some point in the process. It's funny. It's funny because when I saw him produce, like when I watched it, I didn't know until I was in the theater. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, this seems like it would have been an Ari Aster thing. (laughs) Yeah. So at some point in the development process, he was attached to it. And I guess apparently then Sick of Myself had come out, like like hit the festivals and he watched it. And he's like, oh, no, this guy can this, this guy. guy can he's direct got... it like he, yeah, yeah. he can direct his own script like he, he's yeah. got it um and i'm glad they let him do it because like they it was sort of like a to my to my understanding it was like a like no one else i don't want anyone else for this part it has to be nicholas cage um well, and, just, yeah i mean that's great and now that he's not as picky uh you know he, he's like saw a good script like this and he's like yeah i'll do, I'll do it so which yeah. is great yeah it's it's really good. It's really funny. Um, again, I'm not going to spoil, but there there is one scene that is the funniest damn thing. It, I laughed so hard. Like, which? And again, I know what you're talking about, so I won't ruin yeah. it as as well. It also it's funny because it kind of no. has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with uh, Cage. Like, it's just a very very perfectly it's, funny scene. Yeah, like, it's, it's a gr- like, cage is there, like obviously. Oh yeah, but the buildup in the but, scene, but like the comedic, <laughs> the comedic element of that scene doesn't really have much to do with him. It was like that comes back to this. It was like a very well written and well directed, yeah, movie, just well staged. Everything is super well done. Um, yeah, it's super funny. Great little supporting roles too, like everyone, for people, like everyone. The Michael Sarah and then the good. Uh, Tim Meadows. Fuck. I forgot her name, the one that's in the scene with Michael Sarah, who did like um Was that the gal from the Sorry Righteous? to Bother You and Oh yeah, uh now I gotta look. I always forget her name. Uh curly hair. Um is it the girl from um I thought it was the girl, sorry, I'm good. Chris Answer Huh? Did you uh did you see Sorry to Bother You? <laughs> yes. Okay, the the girl in the elevator who's punching the numbers in, she's in a bunch of comedic roles. Do you know her name? Is it not the girl that punches the numbers in? No, no, no. I'm saying the 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 in the actress from that role. Do yeah. we know her name? No, is that not it? Oh, yes, it is the girl that punches the numbers. Yeah, in, yeah. Right? I, 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 I always I, thought it was something mistaken. really weird. I was mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> First, uh, uh, is it? Tessa but anyway. No, not no, 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 no. She's 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 like one of the leads in it. Oh, Kate. And she's in a bunch of comedy roles. Kate Berlant. Um, Kate Berlant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I th- I thought it was sorry. I totally thought it was um, the gal from uh, Righteous Gemstones. They do look a lot alike. <laughs> oh um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. She's in Sorry to Bother You. She's in Don't Worry, Darling. Um, she, dude, she is. Dude, she. Well, yeah, she's in that. But she does. She always shows up as like a like bit small part yep. in a thing and is like the funniest fucking person she's the box office girl in uh once upon a time in hollywood when yes. uh, sarah mm-hmm. goes to see the wrecking crew and she's like you're <laughs> in the movie but yeah <laughs> so um, but no i mean so that whole movie has all of these like great bit parts yeah. in it it is so 
funny enough, like coming back to like what I let, let me like pretend like this was all a very smart plot. Um, <laughs> talking about Saltburn um, in the way where I thought there was a, a narrative about a film that I didn't agree with. Uh-huh. With Saltburn, and then it ended in a way where I was like, ooh, I don't agree with this, and I don't know how to deal with it. I will look to fucking um, Dream Scenario, where I was like, God, there's a bit of an underlying, like, cancel culture narrative happening, like, in this film, where I was like, I don't necessarily agree with that, because, like, that's not a real thing. But it it's me bringing my own thought process to a script, but like it also ends in a way. And like, don't get me wrong, there is still there's still a large portion of this movie you could look at as like a, a, a meditation on cancel culture, which is bullshit. Um, but I don't think it actually ends up being that they're using a they're using a modern day thing people are dealing with and making a story about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Saltburn took this like modern day thing people are talking about, which is like rich and poor, but then just like fucked it up. Right. Where I was like, you can use all like that's the whole thing with Saltburn. You could have absolutely ended the movie in the exact same way had it been written a little bit better. I think of the exact same thing for um, Dream Scenario, where they took a thing where I'm like, they're going in a weird direction, but it's such a well-written film. I don't actually think they're like saying, oh, yeah, cancel culture's bad and everyone's bad for doing it. Like, that's not what the movie's about. No, I mean, they mentioned cancel culture and there's definitely like that experience in the movie with the character, you know, but like we all know that it's like bullshit, like and, and it's, it's like a temporary thing usually you know like someone will always and i feel like this movie really reflects that as well again yeah. not really but i think this, it's, there's this, a there's a preface in it yes and then the... i think this is another one of those like you know much like the holdovers uh which i know you haven't seen jordan but like yeah i, yeah, yeah. I think this i think this movie sticks the landing really well with its ending 100%. like absolutely sticks it like i i, I there there's again not going to get in specifics yeah. Uh, I look forward to to speaking in the group chat once Chris sees it. Group yeah, yeah. text about it because uh, there's like a one the thing in particular when they like included that in the ending where I'm like, this is just brilliant. This might be inside to insider baseball for like for like yeah. writers and critics, but I'm like, this is that's funny. That's but it is like hilarious. They <laughs> do like they they the build up they that's the thing is they whereas Saltburn used a very ripe. Uh, uh, like discourse of rich and, and poor mm-hmm. this same movie used a very ripe discourse in our current internet world like would they made a movie about like being on the internet yep like like so they 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 really like took a very ripe like thing and did not end it in a way where you're like oh god you're like you're with the like fucking uh incels like what are you doing (laughs) like they so the to me it was like such a perfect like dichotomy whereas i i think overall i loved saltburn as a film more up into a point and then you look at uh uh dream scenario where i was like part of me was like a little worried 
kind of the whole time where I was like, ooh, what were they going to say about this? And then they just d- didn't. It was just used as a vessel. Yeah. And then by the end of it, I was like, oh, you were just saying a story about people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Saltburn did that and then crashed and burned yeah. into ending in a place that was a really rough. Crash and salt burned, if you will. Um, hey, <laughs> no get one should let me be <laughs> out of here again. Second time well, in this the end one. Of the episode, everybody. Thanks for tuning <laughs> in. To, Unacceptable. Uh, <laughs> I have to be reined in. It's, it's bad. Um, but no, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I I think what Saltburn is trying to get at is potentially more interesting, and it blows it. And the red dream mm-hmm. scenario just. It, it may not be as interesting or what it's a not, common thing, but it's a common thing. And they stick the landing and they stick the landing because yes. the characters are so well defined throughout the movie. Yes. Like it's, it's you really so give fun. a fuck about them. Yeah, like absolutely. You, you care. Who Even Cage, who, who is like his character, frankly, kind of does suck. Like, he, like dude, you said, he sucks. he sucks, but you do care about what's happening anyway. Like you're engaged yeah. in the narrative. So yeah, yeah, highly recommend dream scenario. It is out Overall. in theaters. Um, yeah, please go watch it. it and is. also, just like if anyone's anyone here, I don't think they would be. But if anyone here is like not a Cage stand, like dude, look at his filmography. Yeah. Go and watch the the motherfucker is the best. Yes. So I mean, people gave up on on Cage and started memifying him. I mean, even at his heyday in like the nineties of being like Con Air. Are you kidding me? And I still stand by Con Air being fucking incredible. It's great. Uh, well, I mean, Put the uh, I mean, I don't love Con Air, but I do. Lo- but I love The Rock and Face Off. Yeah. I think they're phenomenal yeah. movies. So. But I know that he ran into financial troubles in the early two thousands, and and people wanted to like shit on him and stuff. But like, honestly, he's doing his best work now. Like Pig, right now. yeah. I mean, still... look, look, Pig, like Pig for I think a lot of people was the reminder that he is a great actor again like yeah. which is crazy because it, it was so recently but like piggy like he the fact that he didn't did he get nominated for it or no, no but he should have he should have won so for it. Yeah. The, here's the thing it's crazy to me they didn't win but the fact that he wasn't nominated for pig pig it's is insane. is insane don't don't take anything else from this podcast other than go go and watch go pig. watch pig it's yeah. fucking phenomenal it's so good like oh my god man like i mean we already talked about the killer but you want to talk about a movie about a man who loses a loved one that's close to him and yes. goes on a vengeance tour yeah that actually means something that's deep and connecting for the character fucking pig yeah pig, pig is phenomenal how he was not nominated is so criminal um, I genuinely thought he was because that is the best, like one of the best roles. Because in my head, he should have won. Like, he should have won. Oh, that's like, one of the best one acting the... portrayals I've seen in the last decade. It's insane. I was trying to remember who won the Oscar that year, and then I, I was, uh, then I was slapped in the face with, with the reminder <laughs> of who won. Uh, oh no, year. who was it? It was Will Smith. <laughs> that was the joke. <laughs> so, oh, wait. Will Smith Wait, won. For, oh, Will Smith won for King Richard. Oh, you got slapped but, across the mouth unexpectedly. You got slapped right across oh, the mouth. Wait, what did he win for? King what Richard, was the one where he was uh, Venus and Serena Williams' uh, Keep father. The fuck out of here. I would agree. And Keep I, Will Smith's name I, out you your fucking you know mouth, what, Ryan. You know what? You know what? I never watched it, so I can't actually agree. I but. mean, he's fine in it. I mean, I. I I played tennis all through high school. I like watching tennis. So I'm like, okay. I slapped Chris Rock in the mouth seven times. You know, so I was perfectly <laughs> the audience to be watching King Richard. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, he's good in it, but it was also one of those things where I'm like, 
couldn't you just make him why, why why did this have to be about their dad couldn't you just made venus and serena williams <laughs> yeah, i feel like there's the a most, much better movie about that uh, that's the the most acclaimed award like the, how many tournaments they they've won. won so many i know they're like the most dominant athletes in the world and i'm like you made and the movie dealt, about her their dad like <laughs> and they've dealt with like so much racism in the tennis world I you know. make it about their dad it's it, it was a it's a boneheaded decision uh, on Yikes. many levels, but uh, anyway, but anyway, <laughs> that's our episode, anyway. everybody. <laughs> uh, I guess. Uh, speaking of cancel culture, uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the thing that cancel culture doesn't exist. They're making like a fourth Bad Boys. Like Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on the world stage, and they're gonna make a and fourth. Chris Bad Rock Boys. is in the movie. <laughs> that would be amazing if he's in the new Bad Boys. And he gets slapped in the face. He gets shot in the face. <laughs> Should have shot Marvin in the <laughs> face. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Okay, uh, uh, we should wrap we're, this episode we're, up. We're, we're, okay, Jordan, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Um, come back, please come yeah, back as always. Anytime we want, where, man. I literally don't have a job anymore. So let's, let's go. Where? No, you do now. You do now. Hey! It's, it's the Good Bad One podcast. <laughs> where? Uh, where can more people find? find your work sir oh shit um you know i'm a spotify rapper so uh, <laughs> no i'm not it's uh it's just jordan underscore f underscore perry on instagram and that's where all my shit is all right and i know you've got your i think you got your real your cinematography reel on there as well um do. So, yeah yeah if anyone, if anyone wants to hire me <laughs> go go and look at it i'm i'm okay at things <laughs> you're just fine you're great. um th- yeah thanks for coming on man always a pleasure uh but in the meantime you can find all of our episodes i didn't read the script uh you can find oh. and subscribe to us on apple podcast spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, radio google podcast and many others you can subscribe to us on patreon at patreon.com slash good bad what you can follow us on instagram at the good bad what or email us at the good the bad the what at gmail.com our logo comes from michelle parkos and our theme music comes from paco whose portfolio and sound like you can find the show notes respectively chris where can more people find you online i wouldn't but if you wanted to you could find me on letterbox at c underscore t-h-o-m you could follow me on letterbox ryan underscore oliver you can follow me on threads at riley 90 that's r-y-o-l-e 90 you can follow me on blue sky social at riley no 90 um, and then I realized we didn't tease our next week episode, which oh, we already yeah. had done in the episode before, but we're going to be talking about all three black Christmas films from 1974, 2006 and 2019. So, um, look forward to that. Uh, it'll be interesting, but thank I, you for listening. I, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt the end of your podcast, but I literally just watched the lat, the latest two of those movies. Oh, interesting. You want to join back? us? Join just us to be you, clear. Come back. You want to come back? <laughs> You can come back. Absolutely. We're recording next week. Let's do it. <laughs>